Yo, this is Conan. You're listening to World of Wrestling Podcast with Tax and Rich. Boom. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the World of Wrestling Podcast. My name is Rich, and as always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Tax Williams. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm good, man. How's it going? You've had a fun weekend of banter and pro wrestling. Yeah. Um, I'm back. Yeah, man. In the ring. Officially in-ring competitor. I did not realize you were making your in-ring like return this week. I probably would have got in the car and come down <laughs> last minute because I woke up late because obviously the UFC and everything. No. Um, Screwed myself. At Southeast Professional Wrestling, SCPW, we had a show in Hawkins in Kent. Uh, probably one of my favorite shows ever because of Storm Cara. Yeah. Um, all the power went out after the third match. So during the interval and the rest of the show, no power, no entrance music, no microphone, but the fans fair play to the SCPW crowd because they just played along. They played their part. <laughs> Will Power... Is the greatest professional wrestler on earth. <laughs> I saw that he sang his entrance theme. He sang his entrance theme. running around the ring, getting so out of breath when he got into the ring, he kind of collapsed <laughs> the middle. Absolutely outstanding. Hilarious. He would be the MVP of any promotion. Sure, man. Like, there's definitely four or five guys in that promotion. I'd love to get more exposure. He's certainly one of them, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, and obviously... Um, Friend of the pod, too. So, he is, you know, yeah. We're biased, but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> but he is phenomenal. The best moustache in the business. Yeah, too right, yeah. So, obviously, I returned to the ring. Um, the SCPW fans welcomed me and agreed, and they would support me in one last run before I hang up the boots uh, full-time, before I got confronted by our ring announcer and then attacked by Chris Oak. Yeah. Now, obviously... <laughs> Now, this is not the platform to go on about my own personal things. This is a platform. Sure, to talk- it is. That's what. No. That's why we do a podcast. <laughs> no, but this is a platform to talk about professional wrestling, which is what we do every week. Sure. But to continue to help support the podcast, you can help us out by heading to Amazon.co.uk, buy a T-shirt, fifteen pounds. It's our CM Punk, I suppose, homage to Punk. Um, with our little microphone sure. replacing his little lightning bolt. Yeah, so instead of the straight edge fist, it's got the microphone with a fist. Yeah. <laughs> so it's £15 pounds, uh, and no postage if you are a Prime member. Sure. And again, not that I'm trying to transition this, I briefly spoke... Hang on, hang on. where would you get that t-shirt tax? I think you maybe didn't mention that I would mention Amazon.co.uk. Good stuff, there we Search go. Search World of Wrestling <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, but interestingly, as we mentioned Amazon, you have not kept up with some WWE news. No, you just teased me with something that's happened i don't know what has happened at the end of this quarter and potentially starting from june of this year so june 2020 wwe pay-per-views will be moving off the network oh so a lot of people suggest it's going to be peacock which i think is a an nbc thing in the states where they're going to run their own streaming service like five or ten dollars a month nbc netflix yeah Pretty okay. much, um, there has been some talk of Amazon getting it, but I and that seems to have died a died a death. Considering when WWE started the network in twenty fourteen, they were going to keep the big four off the network. You'd mm. have to pay separately for them, or even subscribe through the network. Subscriptions in the US for the WWE network are now below one million. Wow! And a- across the world now, they're just under two million subscribers. Wasn't it a lot more at one point? Wasn't it almost three, four times that amount? No, at they, some point? they. I think the top was about two point two, two point three million subscribers. But so then, if you're thinking of ten dollars a month, well, in, no, they. It's like globally, it's still just under two million. Right, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. But but in the states, they're now below one million subscriptions. Wow! But if you think that if they can take rumble mania SummerSlam, survivor series even though money in the bank's more the big four now than the survivor series sure and chuck it on a streaming service how much money like an amazon or a peacock would pay for these would easily like 
like offset any loss of network subscribers because let's be honest it's a big big change in your business plan it is but i think that's the reason why the two directors have left wwe i think it's like michelle wilson and george barrios who were like vince mcmahon's other sort of head honchos in the business world sure plummeted the stock price when these two left they did yeah i Um, saw that and I just think, from a business standpoint, this is just a sensible thing. And as I've said, or as we said on the prequel episode, there is a chance they're going to sell to Disney. Yeah, I've, I've thought more and more that your prediction that WWE will eventually be sold to Disney seems more and more likely as the time goes on. Um, but this seems, I'm going to be honest, um, I'm in the media, it's my job. Yeah, seems like a bloody good idea to me. Yeah, from a business standpoint, this is yep. hands down. If you if you just with the current business model with the network and everything, they're just having to convince people to get the network as much as possible. Uh, if it's Netflix, NBC, Amazon, whatever, like you know, some sort of streaming service, there is an inevitable viewership based into that. Yeah, and they're going to get so many attraction. more fans. So the money that Twitch are giving streamers, um, sorry, that Twitch. Um, wow, what's the other big streaming TikTok? service? TikTok? No, that's a sudden app. Oh, my friend. sorry. <laughs> I'm very old. Uh, Mixer is the other big streaming service. The Mixer basically came along and went, oh, hi, Twitch. Can we have your two top guys, please? Move them onto Mixer. And their audiences have dwindled being on Mixer because the audience is on Twitch. Yeah. So there is that issue in that if it's a new streaming service that no one signed up for, you're committing your whole business plan to essentially being on a streaming service where no one's going to see it. But so everyone's just going to pirate your shit. But from a WWE standpoint, if they get the money from NBC, they don't care. Exactly. And also, I guess they'd save a lot of costs again, not knowing about the background. But if they don't have to worry about the live stream of pay-per-views and they're live streamed on a different one, they're going to save so much money not doing the live stream. But this is exactly what um, Ninja and Shroud did, who are the two big biggest Twitch streamers, that yeah. were the biggest Twitch streamers that moved to Mixer. They got, they must, you've got to think about how much money these people are making a day. They've got what is it, twenty to fifty thousand subscribers. You know, each one of those is four to seven dollars. They're making millions a month. You know, and so Mixer have tempted them away with a price that was big enough to make it worthwhile. Yeah, and so there is an element of WWE could be getting fifty to a hundred to whatever million, like a lot of fucking money, (laughs) just to move to a streaming service, especially if they can sit down with Amazon, Netflix, whoever, and go, all right, who's got the most money? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because they are an attraction. They're going to bring an audience with them as well. Yeah. And on subject of subscriptions, guys, if you are listening to us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is, hit the subscribe. If you can leave us a five-star review, that'd be great. But enough of our shilling. Let's go on to today's show, the first of the Brian Pillman trilogy. That that link was so good. I gave you some finger gun action because I was like, (laughs) fire. That was awesome. Right. So, this is part one of our Brian Pillman trilogy. We're going to be doing New Japan Pro Wrestling and WCW's Starcade 91, aka 91 Starcade in Tokyo Dome. Not the Starcade that happened in America that year. No, and also, as this is a WCW co promoted event, yeah. it's one of the few WCW events that does not appear on the WWE network. Indeed, yeah, it's on New Japan World when yep. we're watching this. Not as one complete show, though. No, it was is the matches are broken down and all the entrances are cut, all the post match music is cut. I'm assuming for copyright issues. Yeah. It does kind of ruin the show a little bit. It does kill the momentum for me, 
But if you were watching this on pay-per-view back in 1991, your commentators for WCW were Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone. Amazing. Uh, I watched this with Japanese commentary. I watched this with Japanese commentary. Because that's what's available in New yeah. Japan World. Okay, cool. Interesting. So... This is our Pillman trilogy. I yes. thought we'd talk about why and how and our love of Pillman and all this. Oh, I detest whatever it may be. You know, I doubt that. <laughs> I know you're a fan, but it's what it is. Well, at least I think you are. Oh, yeah. Okay. Hands down. Create mind. But yeah, go ahead. So for me, I came in back to pro wrestling. Obviously, I had like VHSs, I had SummerSlams, had WrestleManias and stuff from friends and things growing up as a young child. Then at about 98, early 98, like pre-Rumble, that's when I got Cable. So I saw Austin win the Rumble, go on to beat Sean at WrestleMania 14, and my love of professional wrestling went on from there. Um, so Brian Pillman obviously died, and I think it was October of 97. Uh, but it's 97. Yeah. In uh, a uh, story we can talk about on the last episode of this trilogy, undoubtedly, because that's like the last pay-per-view before his death, I think, is we chose. Um, so I never saw much Brian Pillman. But he was deceased soon enough that when my fandom started, uh, he was in video packages. Yeah. Things about the Heart Foundation, you know, the whole Brett screwed Brett and stuff. Like, you see clips from that. And I remember being on the internet and seeing things about Brian Pillman, specifically the ECW turning out in the blackout and throwing to piss in the ring and such, which is kind of infamous. But I never had really seen any Brian Pillman, I'd realized. I've seen lots of clips. I've seen bits of matches. I've seen him flying off the top rope. I don't think I've ever seen a complete Brian Pillman match I'd seen a couple of Brian Pillman matches uh, the one that springs moments when he was wrestling Scott Levy when Scott Levy was Scotty the body yeah um, WCW right yeah yeah. but as you said until it was the Attitude Era and Pillman was with the Heart Foundation obviously he was injured at the time so yeah post car crash yeah so he was very much the in-ring action element wasn't there until later on when I got the internet and finished you know knocking one out because there's porn then i could go and <laughs> find professional wrestling yeah so two minutes later i found professional wrestling um and that's two minutes just... wow you lost a lifetime <laughs> dial up mate <laughs> um but that's where again as you said it's the intrigue of how someone so talented and based on as we'll get to on um, episode three died far too early and could have had a monumental impact more of a monumental impact he has on the industry than he actually has as well sure uh, i realized that i did watch at least one match of his i always i remember watching the first wcw show nitro the yeah first WCW nitro where he and liger wrestle and so i definitely seen bits of his action but this is this is why i wanted to do a trilogy yeah. to really delve deep i remember looking up quotes to him for the super quiz cup and realizing how talented he was and the comparisons between guys like Jericho and Benoit and Bret Hart and stuff. And he is definitely in that caliber. Hands down. Hands down. And so this was uh, very much my need to just be like, let's start at the beginning, find one match in the beginning of his career when he's out of Stampede. I wanted to find a Stampede match, I'm totally honest. But uh, there's legal issues with the Fed. Because <laughs> it was on the network. Stampede Wrestling had loads Stampede of Stampede was, yeah. And now it's not. I and blame so- Mark Henry. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so I was absolutely gutted about that. So we chose this New Japan show as like a beginning of his career sort of tenure. He is part of WCW at this point. But I wanted to do a WCW show, a WWF show, and something pre that time period. Yeah. And it's also, I've never really seen much New Japan from this time period either. So 91 New Japan has a hell of a reputation. 
Yeah, and some of the people on this card, when you when you read down it, you've got Muta against Sting. Yeah. You've got... It was tempting. And then the uh, yeah. weird shit as well. Like, El Gigante's on this card. <laughs> like... Possibly the most charismatic big man in the world based on this match, which we'll get to. <laughs> Completely different to what and I remember El Gigante being. And also, Liger and Akira. Yeah. Man, when I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah. this is going to be good. Yeah. It, it didn't hold up to the hype. In my opinion. Oh, no, there are three matches on this card, and that's it. (laughs) Okay, let's go through it. So, March the 21st, 1991. uh, 29 years ago. uh, Oh, so old. Yeah, uh, almost 30 years. Like, it feels like a lifetime ago. It's our lifetimes, you know? Uh, 64,500 attendants, according to Cage Match. The Dome just pumps out these attendance records over and over and over again. It's crazy. And the crowd were hot. They, when, they were for, for a when, Japanese crowd, especially in this time period where it was a lot more timid. When we get the no count out, no disqualification, no referee, no DQ, eighteen carat gold match, they were hot. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, to explain what you just said, every match on this card has a weird title. Uh, I have noted down how they were listed on New Japan World exactly. So I will read them out as they're read, as they're written down, or whatever. Okay. So no entrances, kind of sucks. Our Japanese commentary, our commentators, let me try and get these names right. Shofunaki. <laughs> no. Uh, Kota Tetsu. Shinji Kagawa. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me try and get through this. Uh, Kota Tetsu Yamamoto, Gyuo Fuji, and Yoshinari Tsuji. There you go. I recognize some of those names. I think these are legendary commentators that have kind of come and gone over the years. Nailed it. And one gets a beating later on. So, because we're WCW, uh, we have red, white, and blue ropes in the Tokyo Dome. And I was like, oh, special. Someone definitely bought their ring. Exactly. It feels like maybe they did. Very low ring, though. It didn't look like a WCW ring. No, very low. So, with the ring apron, the ring skirt at the top of it is about hip height some of the smaller wrestlers I it's a lot okay. a lot lower than a lot of rings and considering you're a dome show with 64 and a half thousand people yeah you anticipate a bit of a higher maybe there's an element of you know japanese people are generally shorter and so maybe there's an element of scale like this protects your wrestlers a little potentially bit more. yeah it's an interesting yeah. concept actually anyway so wcw new japan uh split ring apron as well thought it was really nice yeah. little touch um the the dome looks like the dome uh, there's one set of rigging lights above it. We didn't get to see any entrances. So we don't really no. know what the staging was like, but it's insanely impressive for just a big place that has lots of seats. And for 30 years ago. Yeah, sure. Um, so, uh, the first match, Corpse Survival match, eight-man tag team match, Konato... <laughs> That's how it's listed. Uh, the irony here is a six-man tag. Exactly. <laughs> Kontaro Hoshino... Uh, Osamu Kido, Kengo Kimura, and Animal Hamaguchi. I know that one. <laughs> Versus Norio Honga, Hon, Honaga, Honaga. Uh, Hiro Saito, and Tatsutoshi Goto, and Super Strong Machine. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> I mean, outside of Super Strong Machine, the other three were in a faction called Blood Outlaws. Yeah. And they were taken on, well, yeah. So this is Heels, uh, who are the Blood Outlaws guys, right? Yep. Blonde Outlaws? Blood Outlaws? Blood Outlaws. Okay, and Super Strong Machine. That's his name. Yeah. Who's a purple guy in a purple mask and a big purple onesie. He loves Lucha Libre. He does love <laughs> Lucha Libre. And so uh, we get introductions for all. 
Okay, mullets and moustaches for days. It's my first point here was. Why is half the team, why is half the face team wearing red trunks? Why is half the heel team wearing red trunks? Yeah, it's not great. So we've got Purple Mask Guy and his mates in black tights. Okay, you're thinking about the next match, by the way. Uh, versus people in slightly more colourful trunks. I say slightly because two of them are wearing black trunks, <laughs> which is the same as the two heels. So uh, it does make it a little tricky to work out who's who. I mean, I know the whole young lion, you meant to wear black trunks and such, yeah. like traditional Japanese thing, but... But no, this was very difficult to follow through, especially with none of these talents I've ever seen before. It, it's nice that there's a guy in a purple mask, because I know who he is. Well, yeah, but <laughs> that's it. Barney the Dinosaur was the only standout of this match. There we go. He is very, very similar to Barney the Dinosaur. Um, Jumpstart seems to be mostly vets, kind of bigger lads. I think that's fair enough. Yeah. Uh, super Strong Machine randomly pulls out a spike pile driver and his mate does a huge DDT to get a near fall halfway through the match. Working the opening match. Completely this, random. On the WCW broadcast of this in the States, this was the dark match. So this oh, wasn't shown. Oh, okay. Fair enough. There are a lot, there are a lot of these sense. matches which were not shown. And also, when it comes to the main event, produced differently in the States as it was in Japan. Interesting. Yeah. Get into that in a second. Okay, hold on. Wait, the finish was different. The finish of the main event was deemed different. Wow, okay. We'll get there in a minute. So uh, the lads hit some big moves, including a fisherman buster in 1991 for some near falls. I'm like, this is pretty impressive. Nice moves. big ooh from the crowd for the fisherman buster. Sure. Super strong machine accidentally lariats his mate after the opponent ducks out the way, who's Kengo Kimura, after comparing some photos on Google, I think. <laughs> Kengo Kimura lays back, pins Hiro Saito for the one, two, three. The winner is super random. The winner is super random. <laughs> uh, the, the finish, sorry, is super random. <laughs> yeah, he's not tagging this one. He's later on in the show, super strong style. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> but uh, the match format is not typical. Heels work the good guy. Good guy gets the hot tag. Big finish. It's everyone's tagging in and out constantly. I would liken this to a clusterfuck. Pretty much. Everyone trying to get their shit in for a dark match, but not executing anything yeah. brilliantly and this set the scene a little bit yeah. for some of the quality of the older generation of new japan and how proficient they were and when we get to the pillman match it shows in height and scale yeah how much it's... ability some of the u.s guys have in comparison they're, they're technically sound they're working the strong style yeah style that's always hard to say they're working strong style as they've been trained yeah but it's um, when you have four, five, seven guys all kind of doing the same things, and then one guy in a big purple mask doing something different, it does make him stand out a significant amount. Yeah, it's 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 very kind of odd. Um, so the winners are, yep, blood <laughs> the, outlaws, the good guys. No, 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 no sorry, <laughs> the good guys. Uh, loads of constant tags. It's more of an exhibition, strong style sort of thing, just to get everyone on the card. It feels like. Which again, if it was an opener then it's payday sort yeah. of thing isn't it really it's just like seems like a lot of favors i like, i know animal Ham hamaguchi is a uh, bit of a legend kimura too you've got like four or five people on here who i've seen in latter matches in other promotions yeah because new japan kind of obviously went all right mate 
time to retire. Yeah, and they're out like, to pasture. I'm not retiring. <laughs> so it is what it is. Uh, so uh, lads at ringside in their lovely shiny New Japan jackets. Do you see Oh, this? it's beautiful. I want one. Don't. So bad. Do not stand by fire. It will melt. <laughs> Proper bomber jacket yeah. levels. But they're silver and shiny. My God, like New Japan do these amazing tracksuits. Like Bullet Club have all got their yeah. own tracksuits and stuff. And then obviously you have the uh, the outhouse steak jackets as well. Yeah, the Ribera ones. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, nice. They're, they're like exclusive merch shit. They've got that down in New Japan. Yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant. Right, second match. Or as New Japan World puts it, the second game super movement tag six-man tag team match. <laughs> bloody great I do love a super movement tag <laughs> sounds like when you've been on a heavy night of curry you get super <laughs> movements the next day you know so um, I'll get, try and get these names right Takayuki uh, Lizuka uh, Kunikai Kobayashi and Shiro Konshin, Konshinaka versus the American team of WCW team of Z-Man, yes, we're English. <laughs> Z-Man, Tom Zank, obviously. Uh, Tim Horner and the star of this trilogy, Flying Brian Pillman. And without a shadow of a doubt, the star of this match. It's astonishing. He, he's obviously only a few years in at this point, trained by Stu Hart, come through the dungeon system, wrestled for Stampede for a while, picked up by WCW as kind of a young trainee yeah. prospect guy. Uh, I listened to both... Um, Bruce Pritchard's podcast, who I've mistakenly said Shivoni a few times on this podcast. <laughs> you picked that up? Only a few times. When I've gone like, oh yeah, Shivoni said this. I meant Pritchard. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd throw that out there as a, like, a rectifying my mistake. I also listened to uh, Eric Bischoff's podcast, both about Brian Pillman. Um, the one thing that comes flying through about these early days is how much of a positive, loving, yeah. funny a tentative, talented guy he was. Had a really big, strong, good football career. I think broke his ankle, I think it was. Yeah. Started a bit of a drug habit, got into pro wrestling. Standard. That's pretty much how this story goes at this point. Yeah, and as you said, in, in anyone's interview, and I know people aren't going to speak ill of the dead, but it always seems to be a case of he was never looking out for just himself. He was always looking out to elevate everyone with him in the yeah. ring, which I think potentially was a detriment to uh, him in point, WCW. For sure. At this point, yeah. for sure, yeah. Yeah, before things got a little bit more crazy in ECW, yeah. at WCW level, it wasn't the case of, I'm going to elevate myself. It's going to be, I'm going to elevate us, yeah. which was really nice. And you don't, don't even get that really that much today. You can see it in the match. He seems to have this bold confidence of someone that knows they're insanely good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, even though he's very much getting started to the point where he's like going around getting introductions, he's slapping his arm, then going up to Zed Man and like slapping his back and like being like, Yeah, come on, we can do this, you know? And at least him and Zed Man had a chat before the match to say, We're going to wear orange, lads. <laughs> All right, I'll wear orange. <laughs> what about you, Tim? Oh, I'm going to wear red. Yeah. Oh, Tim. What are the other team wearing, by the way? Uh, Red. Oh, red. <laughs> it's a a good thing that tim had a fantastic mullet to help him identify himself as one of the american team (laughs) yeah there's more than one good mullet on this show that's for sure so um wcw in 1991 this is pre bill watts because watts came in a little bit later well pre dusty and bischoff and such yeah who the fuck is booking wcw in 1991 i still jim crockett not find this out at all because jim crockett bought the uwf yeah from 
Oh, I've got his name. Uh, but then Bill Watts came in as the booker after this. In like kind of 92, he came yeah. in as the booker for WCW and put in the over-the-top rope rule and that sort of stuff, which must have been terrible for Pillman. Well, because everything he does is flying and jumping yeah. over the top rope and stuff. Like, that's a disaster for him. But not for WCW storytelling in the main event. Jesus Christ. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Okay, so Turner bought um, from jim crockett promotions founded wcw in 1988 so the company is only three years in at this point three wcw is only three years old he's in the wrestling business yeah he is indeed so um let's quickly talk about what's your earliest pillman memory when did you first come across brian pillman my first Pillman memory was when he was part of the heart foundation when brett was in the wheelchair wow okay cool and then obviously the most so when pillman's doing the story for brett so when he comes back yeah yeah, nice. And then obviously the most prominent one is the gun in his house. Sure. On Raw. Hearing um, Conrad and Pritchard break down. Because oh, Pritchard was there. He was yeah. in the house with them behind the camera. Like, if you listen to any other podcast, give that a listen. Yeah. <laughs> Don't like promoting other people's podcasts on our shit. But you know what I mean. So, uh, yeah, awesome. So he's he's got a hell of a reputation just in general of being a yeah. um, crazy man. But at this time, he's definitely more um inside himself it feels like that is waiting to get out but he's not letting his personality shine as no. much as you'd like him to he i wonder if again because he's in new japan he's very much being i'm playing the athlete i'm being the big american sports gamer feels like it, feels like it doesn't it so this is our first in, in, uh, new japan versus wcw match uh blah, blah blah we've already talked about the gear wcw lads have some amazing mullets just <laughs> everything is yeah. and nick patrick is the ref Whee! like they flew out nick patrick and fonzie for yeah. this yeah oh yeah <clears throat> right so loads are tagging in and out again very technically sound match uh some of the horner Z- z-man stuff selling is a bit silly i thought z-man is roidy magoo yeah absolutely big time yeah, I'd say the Americans in general on this card are quite roidy. Yeah. Considering I... what's coming up as well. <laughs> <laughs> so Pillman uh, flying high on everything he does. If he does a clothesline, he jumps five foot in the air. If he's going to do a body press, he's going to springboard off the top first. He's going to do drop kicks that are kind of head height, you know, uh, leaping up to the top and diving off the top rope. He's just insanely impressive. Diving, everything he does. Diving to the outside again, and this is 1991 where... You rarely saw that. It was yeah. always actually in the ring. The only thing you saw on the outside of the ring would maybe if you had someone like the Warlord gorilla pressing someone over the top rope. Yeah, which is rare. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Pillman's credited as being one of the first American wrestlers to take on those Lucha Libre, Libre elements. Yeah. And uh, I think that from what I can tell and what I've seen, it does seem to be true. He does seem to be one of the very earliest to do it. Stuck out on this card, I think him, Liger, and maybe Muta... Yeah. Were the ones who stuck out on this card. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I wonder where Tiger Mask was at this time. Because he's not on the show. The zoo. He would have thought he would have been. <laughs> there we go. So Pillman even fires up a bit at the end of the match to get a response from the dome. They get big. Yeah. Which is the first real time we get like a real response from the Tokyo Dome here. And can you imagine for someone so early in their career, as you said, for, who's basically been in, um, in, sort of in Stampede, to then go on to be performing in front of 64,000 people, yeah. to then actually be able to get the crowd behind you. Man, what a feeling. To look that confident doing yeah. it as well. It's really, really impressive. I'm in the situation case of, do you want to cheer? <laughs> no? <laughs> I'll crack on. So uh, mayhem in this match leads to some pinfall attempts being broken up, which leads to Horner eating a dragon suplex from, I, I think it's Lazuka. 
for the one, two, three, and your winners are New Japan Pro Wrestling's lads. Let's put it that way. Uh, I thought this was a lot of fun. Pillman obviously has it. Athletic, his personality, he's totally stiff as fuck and totally mental, but not letting it out quite as much as he would we'd like to be as we talked about yeah uh the new japan lads did new japan stuff yeah i think this is the stage as well that if i were in the new japan sort of booking office i'd be like to wcw pillman let's have him let's do a talent exchange we'll have pillman yeah, for six massively. months uh he stuck around a lot in new japan did a few tours yeah. like would do six seven weeks at a time apparently uh looking through the results and such he did a lot of wrestling for new japan during his wcw time uh, i think probably by request yeah, I think so. He looked like a time in the time of his life. And again, what a place to learn. Yeah. That's the thing. With Pillman at this stage, and again, through this match here, his match I've seen with um, Scotty the Body, hmm. he is easily the best wrestler of that generation at this time. Yeah. it's. I run out of superlatives to essentially say how fluid he was in the ring. And for someone who's so young to have that the ability it's like the in-ring veteran to guide the other two like zed man and tim horner around yeah to make the match work plus you'd assume there's some degree of a language barrier but to be able to pull it off and literally everything he did was flawless it's incredible for a guy that's this new into the industry you can see what that stampede time period was like yeah the discipline installed by Stu Hart. you think of the guys that came out of stampede during that time tyson kidd wait what that's later <laughs> but it is mad when you think about like bulldog brett owen uh jim Benoit, like nightheart like there's just endless talented guys you know it's, it's just kind of insane how many good guys came out of that territory yeah it's a real i think that's probably the one of the better development grounds before they started having their own development territories with stampede yeah yeah so um bill watts would go on to book wcw uh post this event and according to Conrad's podcast, uh, Watts was not a fan of Pillman at all and essentially benched him and then legitimately benched him for a year. He had Brian Pillman and he went, it's not going to draw a dime, sit on a bench for a year. Didn't put him on TV, didn't do shit with him. What a disgrace, man. You see how good he is here. I like, wonder, uh, Bill it, Watts seems to have done nightmares for WCW. Yeah, I, I mean, Bischoff came in and pretty much saved it with lightning in a bottle luckily by having monday night wars to be able yeah. to have the money to do it and even like, even pre that because bishop takes over what 94 yeah something like that and then he's kind of an executive producer through to 96 where he starts to get the book from like dusty yeah. and flair and people like that um so this time period bishop always talks about having to like rectify all the problems and it was taking guys like pillman and taking the their wages which uh watts had cut in half and then bumping him back up to where he should be yeah. to try and hang on to him, essentially, and book him how he should be booked. Especially you know? with the plans then when Bishop came in to have the cruiserweights. Yeah. Because having Pillman in there just as your basically linchpin for it. And the international talent like yeah. Liger and stuff that Pillman can wrestle with because we know he can do it. You know? It's what an a- essential guy to have on your roster. I just don't see why anyone would ever not want this guy to be right up there with your top talent. And it's know? not even a case it was a size thing. Yeah. He's a big lad. He's a big lad for a, for a high flyer. Yeah. But he carries himself well, as we found out later on, the ability to command an audience's attention. Yeah, he's no smaller than like a macho man, you know? No, and I, if anything, taller, because you'd see him stand next to Bulldog and, and Owen and Brett, and it's case of he's still 
you know, they're pushing these guys and sure. Pillman's a bit taller. Absolutely, man. Um, so some awful events would unfold for this young man in the years to come. But first, he formed the Hollywood Blondes with Steve Austin. Yes. Classic tag. And on to being part of the reformation of the Four Horsemen, which leads into episode two of our trilogy, which we will get to next week. I, I Bloody Brian Pillman. <laughs> so good. And in all seriousness, and I know I say this sometimes on podcasts about people if you're training go and watch some brian pillman if you think you've got a little Hell bit of high yeah. plot you want a bit of high flying in your move set but you're more one of the the taller the taller guys or girls go and watch pillman Absolutely. just to see what you can do and how you can incorporate it with your existing move set it's phenomenal you cut you wouldn't be able to learn for a better person for that style of wrestling yeah you're right they sound a bit bunged up I mean, as I said to you when I arrived, I've started to deteriorate quite quickly. But you know what? Pro wrestling keeps us keeps us moving, right. keeps us going. We'll fly through it. We'll go through. If you, if you die of the coronavirus, I'll let everyone know next week, all right? <laughs> yeah, when, when I'm broadcasting from my own bedroom, when I'm in like, self-isolation, <laughs> after being at a wrestling show, hugging people, sure. um, working in a professional wrestling office, not professional wrestling office, maybe I should work in a professional wrestling there office. I've only just got over my fifth cold, so I appreciate it. I'm going to get a sixth one. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's, it's probably just a really bad time. I'll be absolutely fine in the morning, but I'll be equally okay. annoyed if I therefore have a cold three times in two months. Sure, man. It's just going around. Man. Don't worry about it. Just if it's it's too much, just say and we'll fucking Oh, no, no. We, we, right, right. go. However, ladies and gentlemen, don't have kids because before I had kids, I was very rarely ill. <laughs> and the last three years, I've been the sickest I've ever been. Yeah, it's not great, is it? So, um, enough of my self-indulgence. Let's go back to the show. According to New Japan World, the third match, Steroids Warriors <laughs> Showdown of Scott Norton versus how they've listed it is Eurasia, which is the equalizer, basically, is what it translates to. This was a dark match. In w- on the US version what, what a what a shame because this has the greatest title of any match I've ever heard the steroids warriors showdown it's quite a tongue twister and it's a fair description <laughs> it's a fair description of the match I mean could it be any more brilliantly Japanese and lost in translation than this Scott Norton Jesus <laughs> he's a big boy but this other lad the equalizer he's got a Star Trek logo tattooed <laughs> on his face or painted on his face I should say and he's and linked he... the Berserker's boot exactly it's <laughs> just hus, hus, hus. I'm expecting it any moment I was so excited because I thought oh my god is this early Berserker it was not the early Berserker I went and googled it and just checked <laughs> did you realise who it was uh, I didn't realise who it was okay I looked it up uh, let me see if I write it down just to make sure I get it right Okay, so this is... Oh, God, I hope I get this right. It's either... Uh, oh, shit. This, anyone who's listening who knows this is shouting at their, like, yeah, their car radio are. or at their phone right now. Uh, WWE. Yep. Two massive guys. Face paint, like, super roidy. Um, oh, um, Power and Glory. Could be. What are their names? Hercules and Paul Rober. No, other ones. Brilliant. Uh, uh, Demolition. No, <laughs> LOD. <laughs> more, more niche. More niche. Oh, my God. Uh, War, Warlord of Barbarian. Oh, there we go. What's the yeah. tag name? Uh, Powers of Pain. Powers of Pain. There you go. It's 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 one of them. <laughs> I think it's Barbarian. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's who Equalizer oh, is. Oh, okay. But under a very, very different gimmick. He looks a bit like Barry Windham. 
Yeah, he did. Like so early much. Barry, later Barry Windham, sorry. Yeah. You know, I know, 80s Barry Windham with the hair. Yeah, with a beautiful you know? white, black, and blue Star Trek logo painted on his face. Of because, course. Because <laughs> Sting left his paint unattended and the guy ripped him. <laughs> I, that's blatantly what's happened. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely blatantly what's happened. The equal I was like, so, I am going to get absolutely steamrolled in this match, <laughs> so I'm going to get something in right. Put, put some shade on Sting. It's it's mad that the equaliser, as he's called here, is bigger than Scott Norton in terms of height. Yeah, not width, but like these two just did well sell for each other. I said I was I didn't check how long the match was when I clicked on it. I just let it roll. So when it ended in three minutes, I was like, <laughs> holy shit! I thought it was going to be longer than this, but anyway. So um, brrr, uh, Norton is wearing the Flash's outfit. <laughs> Like literally Marvel's Flash, the red with the yellow and it's written Flash on it. He's obviously a fan, but how did he squeeze into the Flash's gear? He's a big boy. Basically, he went to a Japanese comic book store and bought an XXXXXXXXL. Absolutely, man. It's He looks amazingly hilarious. It's bloody brilliant. I'm glad you went that direction. I thought you were say, he looks amazing. He looks terrible. It's awful gear, but it, it, it stands out at least. It's 91, so it's not like fashion is the most biggest priority in the world. At this Scott point. Norton had been in New Japan for a little bit now, hadn't he? He was, uh, he was emerging as one of their big boys because he won the heavyweight title around the early 90s, did he not? I'm going to say yes. Okay, brilliant. I, my knowledge of early New Japan is not as good, but I swear when they do the whole here are the champions yeah. for the title match, the Scott Norton pops up on it. Yeah. So I think so. Um, if we're wrong, let us know at World of Rest Pod on Twitter. Yeah, please do. We love criticism. So. <laughs> Here's the match, right? Lariat, lariat, kick. Both lads miss a bit. Clubbing shots, shoulder dive, punch, lariat. One, two, Norton picks equalizer up off the mat, but Norton barely gets equalizer <laughs> over for a power slam. And I do mean barely. He can almost, he almost dumps him on his head, you know? Yeah, it was. I'd call it a semi wheelbarrow slam. There you go. For the one, two, three. And in three minutes flat, Norton wins the Steroids Warriors showdown. I expected more, I'm going to be honest. It was a good laugh, but I wanted more. I wanted like 10 minutes of them beating the crap out of each other, basically. If this was like a, a Crown Jewel-esque show, he'd definitely be winning like a super roidy Magoo trophy. Yeah, sure. This is pre-Goldberg and stuff. Yeah. And they're doing Goldberg's gimmick basically with Scott Norton. It's nice they did a test run with uh, The Flash. <laughs> How can you combine the word fat and flash together? Flash? <laughs> more, like more to the point. Hello. It's probably quite a lot of money for it to fly you over to Japan. Equalizer. For three minutes, we'll fly you over. Incredible stuff, isn't it? I bet you couldn't believe his bloody luck. Gonna uh, go to Ribera, get a steak. Without wishing to spoil this this good bit of narrative, there is a bit of a tour around this, so there were other shows as well, but I can imagine that Equalizer <laughs> was not featured prominently on these shows. <laughs> Just flown home afterwards of the one, you know. So uh our fourth game, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship bout of of Jushin Thunder Liger. Green Liger. Green and gold Liger. Yeah. I think you'll find championship gear Liger. Oh, he looks awesome. <laughs> Through fatigue, I thought you were going to go championship manager Liger. <laughs> <laughs> what, you paid 70 quid to sit and play a text game? Yeah. Yes, I've done that. <laughs> okay. We've all been there. So Jushin Thunder Liger versus Akira. Not the movie, not the character from the movie or the comics, but... Pro Wrestling Akira from New Japan. Also, one of the characters clearly out of Takeshi's Castle is General Lee's oh, baddies. Sure. He's yeah. the exact same headdress yeah. and the kind of kabuki yeah. warrior stuff. Yeah. So, but I mean, again, Akira, 
those Spider-Man streamers out the hand. Oh my god, I'm having them. My note simply reads: Akira equals Tax Williams. Tax, <laughs> tax needs more face paint, though. <laughs> on it. The next show's on the 20, 29th of March, so I'm gonna have face paint for the next one. Big red headdress, not orange like yours, but red headdress. Streamers out the palms. Big gear, you know. He's very much your gimmick. I mean, some, what some would question that as he was doing this in 1991 and I was <laughs> eight. Um, I may have nicked Akira's gimmick, but I tell you what, if I can get on those Spider-Man release ones, oh my god, I'm going to have some fantastic, good, if we ever do adult shows, I have a blast with those. Seriously cool. Seriously great stuff. Um, uh, the belt that Liger oh. has, oh, that is a thing of beauty. Jesus, they only show it for a second. I was like, oh, what is that? I'd never seen this early IWGP junior it's belt. Lovely. Jesus Christ. Yeah, like let's let's just make more championships look like that, please. The only thing I could say negative going into this match was that I did not have Ligus for entrance. Yeah, I was gutted about that. You would have thought as they've got the copyright to it, they'd just stick that on, you know? Whatever. Well, like OTT had the copyright and just pasted it over the top. <laughs> <laughs> that was a weird one, wasn't it? So um yeah, Liger in green and gold. Beautiful. Oh. Oh. He looks like some sort of American... He's a Power Ranger. Yeah. He's, he's Jason go. David Frank. He's yep. a green Power Ranger. Absolutely. But he's not an arsehole. Therefore, Jushin Thunder Liger can wear that all day long. Sure. As a traditionalist, I when I first saw it, again, because I wasn't aware that was Championship Liger. Well, uh, that's what I call it, yeah. But I, am, I, I like the white and red, but just to see the green and gold, it looked phenomenal. Yeah, real nice change, you know, special and, event type. So. And also, I suppose if he's going to get Takira in red, he probably had the idea of, my opponent's wearing red. I'll wear different gear. Exactly. Let's use your Unlike brain, everybody. everyone in the first two matches. <laughs> red and black. <laughs> so, um, Liger seems to be the face here. Akira seems to be the heel, but it's not 100% obvious going in. Um, but just everyone fucking loves Liger. Even in 1991, the crowd just popped mental for him. Yeah. They adore him. You know, first set, first sign of streamers thrown from the crowd in this match as well. Yeah, sure. So Liger starts the match with the weirdest way by just like slapping about Akira doing like twenty different little shotes. The E Honda hundred hand slap. Exactly, exactly yeah. what it was. Onto, uh, threw, and then he dives onto Akira on the outside. And I'm like, this is the best madman ever in wrestling. <laughs> just starting matches in '91 by slapping a dude around, then just throwing him to the outside, diving off the top rope. I love Liger. Oh, he's the best. In 1991. Yeah, think 30 about, years ago. He had another 30 years before he retired at Wrestle Kingdom. Think about what we were watching in like 92, 93, 91 and compare it to Liger. I always remember with Liger <laughs> on the early SmackDown versus Raw games, you know you could go online and buy like the Create a Wrestler and you could go and get like the lists of how to make people. Yeah. I wasn't aware of Liger at the stage, but there was this Liger character and I created with the mask. I obviously had the move set in there. I was like, who is this? <laughs> did it have the moveset? It did have the moveset. Wow. They always built all the uh, like the WCW and some of the New Japan stuff into the SmackDown game, so they had awesome. the full moveset. That's cool. And it was like, what is Liger doing off the hell in the cell? <laughs> the Liger bombs. And- yep. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. So cool. So uh, I did a bit of research here. Akira has recently returned from his uh, learning excursion uh, with CWA in Austria and Germany. Ooh, That's a European like, adventure. Yeah, 91. That was a hotbed of professional yeah. wrestling. Like it's, it's kind of not very well known, but I've heard uh, people like um, Dave Finley talk about it and say he loved going out there and it was like yeah. brutal. And they live on like a, essentially like a fun fair. And do these wrestling shows. It seems like an absolute riot. If we could find some of these shows. What to go to? I don't know. Well, there's WXW and stuff like that now. No, no. I want to go to a fairground wrestling show abroad. Mate, 
that would be amazing. A little road trip. Well, it was like download and stuff, but uh, no, I said a proper <laughs> wrestling show. Don't have to watch bands, would you? <laughs> <laughs> Don't be surrounded by lots of people. We're old now. <laughs> Wanna go to a fun fair where I can play on a coconut show? <laughs> <laughs> yes, killed him. Oh, Brilliant. I managed to give you the coronavirus. I don't know why coconut shy made me laugh so much, but just the idea of, yeah. So uh, a slow build match. Less dynamite kid Tiger Mask Jr. as you might think it would be here, but more of a typical strong style heavyweight match. Again, it was a little disappointing. I I'm I disagree. I loved this. I didn't think yeah. it... I don't think it... It was a, a faster pace than the classic heavyweight. Sort a of little disappointing. It was just, I, I just knew what was coming every step, it felt like. Yeah, but that's again, Liger stuff for Akira to follow, Yeah, I think. It, it felt like it was dragging Akira through a lot of this. Yeah, the little brawl on the outside was not overly Liger-y. Yeah. But sure. I liked it. And also where Akira's face paint was on, you'd be like, is he busted open? Yeah. Or is he just red face painted? There's lots of red going on to Liger's outfit as well. I think he was pissed off by it because it's really nice. <laughs> well, we had that Muta in the main event. Well, the semi-main Oh, that's as what well. I'm thinking of, actually. Yeah. yeah, anyway, it doesn't matter. So Liger goes for a pole driver of sorts, but falls back selling his leg that Akira kind of worked on during the match, but not really. He looked at it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that Liger kind of sold it earlier. It's kind of subtle storytelling, I guess, is if we give it some credit. Yeah, subtle storytelling. Yeah, cool. There we go. So Akira goes after Liger, but Liger is sneaky and almost gets the win with a roll-up here and there. Uh, brutal powerbomb by Liger, then a full Liger bomb where he gets the feet above the shoulders yeah. in midair, and you're like, holy shit, you're good. Try doing that. Try like jumping up, putting your feet above your shoulders, essentially, and then sitting on the floor. Whilst carrying a human. Yeah, it's, it's pretty difficult. <laughs> right, so I've got to add face paint to my ring attire, and I've got to hit people with a Liger bomb. Liger bomb. Good luck, Chris Oak. <laughs> I'll hit your spine buster. <laughs> so, but that only gets two for a big reaction from the dome. I love the Japanese crowd. They're the best. I, yeah. I, I, no one chanted, this is awesome. No one chanted, fight forever. <laughs> Just I mean, they, but they might have done. <laughs> I didn't have subtitles, so it's okay. But this was the first time. I know like Pillman got the odd reaction and uh, Scott Norton got a big reaction because when he picked up um, Equalizer for the two yeah. but this is the first match the crowd are fully invested start to finish Liger storytelling yeah second to that it's just the best even in this match which wasn't my favourite Liger match ever and I, I expected a bit more considering what he's competing with and such and I thought this Akira guy would keep up the pace uh, it's just Liger is just the best even in 1991 he's 30 years off like you know retirement and he's just insanely good and the thing is, when we watched him at Wrestle Kingdom, it's not like he'd even lost a step no. from 30 years. He's still insanely good. Have you ever seen him like tear off his shirt? No. He's got a massive eight-pack, giant pecs. He is ripped beyond belief still. I hereby remove my fandom of Justin Thunderlock. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's almost a shame that he's covered up because he's such a fucking ripped dude. That's why he wants to retire. <laughs> so I've got these abs I'm Get pretty proud and eat sushi for a year <laughs> <laughs> sounds great so Liger sits Akira up on the top rope and it was at this point I was going hmm last time I saw him do that he gave Owen Hart a DDT off the top rope and so Liger proceeds to DDT <laughs> Akira off the top fucking rope and I'm like oh my god I thought he only ever did it to Owen I didn't realise this was a regular yeah. thing for him this is the most lethal spot that's ever happened in pro wrestling, surely. DDTing dudes off the top rope. Yuck. 
like, I would never want to take this. Like, Akira kind of rolls through a little bit. Yeah. Owen, I'm sure I sent you the clip, right? Just spiked himself to be like for dramatic effect. (laughs) Awful move. You have to be trusting of the guy you're doing it to to know you're not going to kill them, you know? Because Akira, uh, you like a base, just leans back and lets them do the work. Yeah. You know? But Uh, even then, can you imagine if you weren't happy that spot going to Liger? No, I don't want to take this, please, sir. What? I'm Jushin Liger, you know. Yeah, you'll do you, what you say. Yeah, I, I, I offered you the chance to back out of courtesy. It's happening. <laughs> <laughs> For the one, two, three. God damn, Jushin Liger wins or uh, retains the AWGP Junior. Thank God this wasn't a British indie show in 19, 2019 or twenty twenty because someone would have kicked out of that. Sure, of course they would have. So, uh, Liger- and the reaction for the DDT as well. It was massive. Yeah. Like they just built and built and built and built and the crowd starts to build that anticipation. It was like, oh, as they're going to the finish, you know? Beautiful. 64,000 people crescendoing to that moment. It's just magic. It really I lo- is. I love this match. I think this was my favorite match on the card cool. for this evening. So nice slow build. Uh, I assume Liger was putting the kid over, to be honest, because uh, Liger was selling the leg. But again, the finish is just out of this world. Incredible. It's yeah, and they're not going to have... They're not going to have Liger lose their titles on their big show, especially with WCW. They want to have their big stars going over for the American audience to see. Not yet. Okay. Liger does go on to lose the belt to Akira. Boo. But not yet. <laughs> not on this show. So who cares? So, uh, should we move on? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. The fifth match Japan and the United States heavy power tag team match of Masahiro Chono and Masa Saito. Or Masai Saito, I think it's pronounced, versus Arn Anderson and Barry fucking Wyndham. This is one of those matches that I saw on this was like, we're watching this. Okay, so a couple of things. First, Firstly, short hair Barry Wyndham. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of this. No, I need the long hair back. I don't want the full cowboy experience. You I know? think he had a haircut at the airport. Yeah, I mean, NWO Japan represent also with the Chono stuff. Oh, yep. Uh, they shake hands. Ugh. Boo. Wyndham and Chono to start. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> We're starting with the big boys. The... Where am I looking at? Top of the list. I love everything Wyndham. Oh, no. Strong hard boys. <laughs> <laughs> Strong hard boys. I'm going to get that gimmick over eventually. Anyway. So, um, uh, I, basically, I've just put here, I love everything Barry Wyndham. The sneer, the pace, the stiffness, the angle he hits the ropes at. He's he's just like a better version of JBL. And yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. I, I've not watched much Barry Windham, but everything I've ever seen, I'm just like, how was this guy not an absolute megastar? Well, he was in um he was in WWE when he was the new Blackjacks, wasn't he? With him and Bradshaw. Was that Barry Windham? I think so, yeah. And didn't Barry Windham also get a nasty injury which hindered his progress possibly uh, i think so i'm talking more pre-wf oh yeah ha- i'm yeah. thinking in the N- nwa i would have <laughs> right now just dying slowly that's fine. I- i'm like it seems like him and flair yeah could run circles around the rest of the roster for years they yeah windham was definitely the top top tier talent yeah. Just incredible. So uh, in this match... Arn Wait, he wasn't in the match. <laughs> Arn Anderson's pretty much the only person selling anything. And Arn Anderson hasn't aged in 30 years. <laughs> it's astonishing. Still the same. He's so good as well. Like, everyone in this match is kind of fun, to be honest. Uh, they keep teasing... Well, everyone. Let's get to the finish. Uh, they keep teasing Chono and Wyndham as the match goes on and kind of Arn gets involved and all that sort of stuff. Being uh, brave wearing white, tra- white trunks whilst travelling abroad. Absolutely. <laughs> 
Uh, Wyndham begins to wind up the crowd, getting a sea of booze from the dome. Uh, great heel work here, yeah. even though he's impressing me the whole way through the matches. Like, well, a- they had to establish themselves as a heel team because with the handshake at the beginning, yeah. You need to have that clear heel yeah, face dynamic. The, the handshake's totally unnecessary, isn't it? It's a bit weird. Well, especially now you've got a clear heel. Yeah, obviously. So Chono takes all the heat, which is totally weird to me. And I'm like, why is Chono taking all the heat? Uh, but has a bit more control during the match than I expected from like a regular yeah. match nowadays. Like he gets a lot of comeback spots and stuff. But Saito gets the hot tag. Uh, hot is very much an Saito nearing retirement yeah he's he's an old boy at this point and gets beaten down immediately by the American team uh, so that he can do his comeback spots <laughs> <laughs> Saito suplexes everybody they're obviously doing the Saito suplex yeah. which he um, popularized let's put it that way because it's a judo throw isn't yeah. it yeah anyway so Saito goes for a German suplex on Arn but Arn ducks down, allowing Wyndham to take off Saito's head with a running lariat for the one, two, three, while Chono is literally standing next to them, not breaking up the pinfall. Yeah, because he started to get out of the ring. He looked at it and was like, <laughs> oh, step, put his leg out of the rope and then limp back in. So Arn Anderson and Barry Wyndham win in the weirdest formatted match I've ever seen. I mean, both of them, both the non-active wrestlers, were just stood in the ring around the pinfall. It's a case of, is this the finish? <laughs> It's so weird. The guy who should be getting the hot tag is taking, getting beat down all the match while kind of taking advantage sometimes. Barry Windham doesn't sell shit. Chono doesn't really sell shit even though he's getting beaten down the whole time. Arn Anderson's the one doing the selling. But he then tags out to his partner who gets the hot tag like, you know. Uh, you'd expect the place to erupt. Yeah. Gets beaten down by the American heel team and then gets pinned. After doing a few comeback spots. Like, Where his tag partner could have saved him. <laughs> he was busy. Really busy. So it does not work at all. The match itself is kind of fun. Up to the finish. <laughs> to the hot tag. I just get the it impr- makes no sense. Just get the impression that we told this. Time's up, lads. What? Time's up. I, oh. I've got a feeling like Chono just wanted to wrestle the two American lads. It was like, I'm not taking the fall though. <laughs> yeah. You're on your way outside, though. <laughs> exactly. Oh, it's just so weird. Um... I want to pitch to you an idea here. Barry Windham trilogy? Ooh. Because I've never really delved into his career too much. We've got an idea for another trilogy. I'll, should we throw it out there now? Yeah, go on. So Triple H Rock was the trilogy we're yeah. thinking about doing. That's going to be quite popular with people, I think. Yeah. And I don't want to watch the, all those matches again. I want to watch that ladder match. Yeah, sure. From SummerSlam. 90, so in the 90s. 2000s, something like that. I think it's 99. Anyway, <laughs> SummerSlam 90 die. <laughs> 98, I think it is actually. Anyway, so uh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. So, side note, uh, Saito. While, uh, side note. <laughs> I, 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 literally, it says side note. <laughs> Saito, while inventing the Saito suplex, kind of not really inventing it, but popularizing it, he is also credited with inventing another move. Do you know what that move is? Uh, the Liger Bomb? <laughs> the Sharpshooter. Oh, really? There you go. Yeah. Wow. I saw it on three different articles. So there you go. Apparently, it's a real thing. Bloody hell. Yeah, he invented the bloody sharpshooter, the Scorpion Deathlock. So both Sting and Bret Hart stole this. Very much so. Thieves. (laughs) So our sixth game, the IWGP Tag Team Heavyweight Tag Team Championship match of Kensuke Sasaki and Steven (laughs) (laughs) best Japanese name ever our current champions versus the Steiners of Scott Steiner and Rick Steiner I love the fact that Steiners clearly didn't have enough money at this stage so Scott Steiner took 
Well, Rick Steiner took all the colourful gear. Yeah. And Scott Steiner took fifty percent of it, and then just used the remaining back black part of his singlet. If you remember the Steiners in the WWF period with the traditional wrestling gear with the very luminous bright colours on yeah. it, same gear here. They look awesome. I love the Steiners. Scott is unrecognisable compared to the Scott Steiner I know. Uh, well, I grew up with, I guess I should say. I always but, thought he was Rick. Yeah, absolutely. But until he talks. Yeah. If he shouts to the crowd, you instantly like, oh, that's 100% Scott Steiner. Mainly because he's like, motherfucker! <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. But he has that kind of like higher pitch, like, yeah. rah, 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 thing going on, you know? As opposed to the dog-faced gremlin who's, rah, 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 rah. Yeah, literally. <laughs> <laughs> so, big pops for all involved when they're announced. I'm assuming the Steiners have been over to Japan a few times before. Yeah. So I think I've had some experience. I, I think considering the you know how popular the road warriors were over there now you've got these other huge athletic beasts coming yeah. over some serious mullets again in this match like oh, beautifully done <laughs> three mullets and rick steiner <laughs> <laughs> with his classic wrestling headgear yeah fucking a so Suzaki has a moment at the beginning of the match but the steiners kind of take over pretty much immediately stiff kicks punches and obviously suplexes stiff 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 they were definitely looking after their opponents. Jeez, Oh, things boys. that weren't happening in this match. They were just beating the fuck out of each other. This is not the last time this happens no. on this show either. So the Steiners take turns in picking Hiroshi apart as the match goes on. <laughs> they took it turns to beat up poor Hiroshi. Yep, literally. Uh, which gets the first big reaction from the Dome crowd, chanting Hiroshi's name. They're going for the comeback spots, you know, like like they're into it for Liger and stuff but I don't think they're they're bought on Akira yet yeah here they're totally invested these are our good guys these are the Americans who we love and we know are bastards but they're coming to take away our titles exactly uh, Hiroshi does a random giant swing in the middle of the match <laughs> while being beaten up and you're like what the fuck is going on just the weirdest moment uh, Scott Steiner hits just hit Hiroshi with a tiger driver Luckily, the powerbomb variation, not the pile driver yeah. or slam variation, which is just, yeah, no, thank you very much. Uh, Hiroshi fights his way out and makes the white hot tag to Suzaki, and I do mean white hot. The crowd Boom. go mental. Uh, Steiners hit their bulldog off the shoulders for the, of Scott for the finish. Uh, Scott hits a leaping Frankensteiner in the middle of the ring on Suzaki. Or as it said in commentary, Frankensteiner! Yeah, indeed. On Kensuke Suzaki for the one, two, three. They pin Suzaki. And new. Yeah. IWGP heavyweight tag team champions, the Steiners. Yeah. Did not see this coming. No, they should. The way they were building it and how they've been building the matches throughout the night. Yeah. It was very much on the lines of. Well, this will be. There might be a schmozzy finish at the end. I thought time limit draw, maybe. Yeah. Something like stupid like that, you know? These guys would just keep beating the fuck out of each other yeah. until 20 minutes to pass. To it. But yeah, they gave us a really, really solid, clean finish. Yeah, in comparison to the brutality where they beat the tar out of each other for 15 minutes. Sure. You remember how we talked about how um, the Whisper does his 450s? Yeah. Where he kind of puts his hands onto the ropes and kind of falls onto the floor and then kind of just stands up. You mean Tex Williams 450? <laughs> yeah. That's how Stein is doing the Steiner yeah screwdriver whatever it's called not screwdriver frankensteiner Frankenstein, so basically he jumps up and then lands on his bum and just rolls over backwards <laughs> at this stage rolls does like a backwards yeah. roll with the guy in between his legs yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's probably why he started doing it off the ropes eventually yeah but oh, it's just it's so funny watching it happen i'm like oh he killed himself oh there's the pinfall <laughs> <laughs> uh this was really really fun i loved it I always say with um, Scott Steiner's Frankensteiner to have someone still that beefy doing that and be able to get that high vertical leap as well, yeah. even though he, every time he did it, he just mashed his own head. Yeah. 
I love the Steiners, but again, I would never want... I'd love to watch the Steiners. I would never want to wrestle the Steiners. I don't ever want to even meet them. <laughs> I'm just like, I want nothing to do with them. I've heard so many horrible stories <laughs> about abuse in the back and teasing people and Pete Williams telling stories of driving around with Papa Pump doing like 100 mile an hour on the wrong way up a one-way street and stuff. Like, no, thank you. I just want nothing to do with that. But as, as, um, as a story to tell in pro wrestling... What an interesting pair of lads, you know. Well, the Steiners in the angle in WCW where Nash and Hall ran them off the road so they had a car accident. Oh, I think so. Yeah. It's a bit before my time, so I'm not really sure. Nice. I think it's before my time, isn't it? Yeah, maybe. I think, <laughs> no, no, it's a lie, because I think it was during the NWO time. Oh, okay. Well, I was watching around then, so yeah. I don't remember it. Anyway, I watched most WCW stuff as well. I'd flick kind of back and forth. Uh, maybe so. I'm thinking of a different team. Uh, who knows? So, our next match of... I haven't got a title for this one. It just says Big Cat Hughes versus El Gigante. Oh, amazing. John Gonzalez versus Mr. Hughes. <laughs> the weirdest combination. So, uh... El Gigante. <laughs> Jesus. What a happy, charismatic chap this man is. It's almost like if you put him in like some kind of nudist suit with hair over his giblets <laughs> as the evil villain you know yeah. which he's not here and, and having Bobby Heenan go that must be that must be chlorophyll oh, at geez. ringside what's that smell <laughs> good grief <laughs> and that's all I ever remember of the giant Gonzalez sure but El Gigante here against a very young Mr. Hughes yeah I didn't realise it was Mr. Hughes but obviously a big cat Hughes makes sense yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's a big big boy wearing blue pants yeah, and that's that was his gear. That yeah, was his look sure. there because he was big cat. <laughs> so Gigante's smile is infectious. <laughs> he is loving life. Yeah, and and also it's almost like one of those cheesy grids. It's a case of, oh yeah, he's very much just having a ball, just playing and it, up to the cameras, you know. And he's very much like, I got boosted to business class. <laughs> Legs are pretty good at this stage. <laughs> and again, for that time period, he was quite agile. Yeah, he was very nimble on his feet charismatic i don't know what happened to him wwe i'm gonna be honest between this and the match with undertaker at wrestlemania i have no idea what happened because he is a completely different person yeah not just in terms of his gimmicks up but he looks athletic looks agile he can work he can do spots yeah he was it's it, not bad <laughs> and, it, and his match with taker which is i think his only main wwe feud is one of the worst matches of all time one of the greatest matches that of all time. Sacks. Come on, let's be honest about it. The man Terrible. had fake fur over his wang. <sighs> because he didn't earlier. <laughs> it was like, we have to put something there. <laughs> but wasn't El Gigante also in the um, um, Halloween Havoc electric chair match? Um, don't know. Possibly. All I remember is, um, wow, fork guy big guy uh abdullah the butcher thank you very much i'm terrible names butcher taking the yeah what cactus doesn't do the thing yeah. on the wall. oh it's dropped <laughs> biggest botch is such as the best so fonzie is referring this match ecw fonzie the guy with the whistle ecw 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 Dub. fucking name uh fonzie at the beginning of the match compares his hand size with El Gigante. <laughs> brilliant moment just such a subtle little moment and even but then like, gigante just sitting there going <laughs> I am massive. <laughs> Argentina knows nothing in comparison to me. <laughs> uh, Gigante does a ritual bouncy dance before the match starts. So this is fucking hilarious. And at this stage, I thought, bloody hell, that's worth more than it did in WWE. <laughs> Much more. Uh, they lock up. Gigante throws Big Cat to the ground and goes, woo! <laughs> Rick Flair's on this card later, motherfucker. What are you doing? He's eight foot tall. He can do what he wants. About to say, Flair, he's not going to complain, is he? You know, so power slam by Gigante. 
big cat rakes Gigante's arm and goes to town. Uh, sorry, beats up his, uh, rakes his eyes, goes with his arm, goes to town. I can talk. Uh, Gigante no sells the punches and clubs the shit out of the big cat. El Gigante asks the crowd if big cat should go up, 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 like this to the crowd. Gigante smiles for the cameras. Bends down to suplex the big old blue pants wearing kitty lad. <laughs> Irish whip, because the suplex wasn't enough. Gigante does big boots. Uh, big boots, cat in the hip. He can't even get his foot above to actually get him in the chest or the face. He hits him in the hip. Working safe. Take yeah. out the vertical base. Anyway. Iron claw applied. Ponzi counts the one, two, three for our winner. And again, three minutes flat. El Gigante completely different character in comparison to giant gonzalez yeah i mean there's not much to say it's a match it's his character is ridiculous he's an absolute bloody knacker in this match yeah you know? he's just... so it's wrestlemania 8 where he was giant was it wrestlemania 8 at caesar's palace i get confused between like 8 to like 12 i'm just like oh, yeah probably because then this will be maybe a year away it would be because flair was in wwe for 92 for the rumble yep it was at mania because he goes on to do Summer slam and stuff yeah so I would have been Mania 9. Yeah, because that's Caesar's Palace car park, isn't it? Because 10 is Owen and Brett. Yeah. In the yeah, so it's 9. So we're a couple yeah. of years away from him being in WWE as Giant Gonzalez. Sure. And not doing anything in the ring. No, I assume as he's a man of that height would be having real issues with his joints and muscles at that stage. Sure. Which I is think... probably why, again, he was such a completely like different character in WWE. I imagine Taker was like, you can do what? Oh, no, 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 no. You're just going to choke me, and that's it. Yeah. That's all you're going to do. Or well, he does the Iron Claw, doesn't he? Yeah. I can't remember. And then Taker jumps on his back to give him a sleeper and then puts the uh, me- medication <laughs> slash knockout gas on him. Uh, that should have been disqualified. Yeah. Goodbye, the streak. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the whole Indiana Jones thing, which is a case of everything would have happened had Indiana Jones not got involved in anything. Sure. And now they're like, well, the Undertaker should be disqualified. Uh, Nope. <laughs> oh, in fairness, you should oh, be disqualified for beating Jake Roberts on the outside of the ring with a tombstone. There's that too, yeah. He also uh, murdered the big boss man. Should be in prison. No, no, this is professional wrestling. <laughs> He's only murdered someone. Like, for example, Shayna Baszler in a sports contest bit someone's neck off this week because. Okay, I'm going to throw this out there. Have they already ruined Shayna Baszler by doing that? Oh, yeah, hands down, because she's a vampire now. So you <sighs> might as well bring back. Um, was it. Um, Mercedes Martin. Oh, who, what was her name? Selinas, who was yeah. the va- area of the vampire. That's the one, yeah. <sighs> but like, yeah, yeah totally. Grandes. Um, <laughs> but like, the thing with Baszler is that I can see they want to do a moment to be like, here's our girl. But blood? WWE? Biting? Through the neck? Uh, I just don't get it at all. Should have had her to beat the shit out of her. Yeah, choke her out. But I wonder because around, you know? all the online stuff saying that, oh, Vince was really unhappy with the Survivor Series main event. He didn't really make much of Baszler. Right. I think for Shayna Baszler, her problem is that Rhea Ripley came in and is quite prominent because everyone looks at her going, well, she's also a tough cookie, hard-hitting like wrestler. Sure. Well, Shayna Baszler's there, but Rhea Ripley seems to be the new flavor of the month. Whereas yeah. before Rhea Ripley stepped up, it was like, Shayna Baszler's amazing. And now as tr- oh. as true wrestling fans, they go... Oh, yeah, yeah, give it to Ray Ripley. Well, well, kind of. That's the idea, though. Like, Baszler put Ripley over, you know? Like, yeah. You have to make new stars and stuff. So, WWE do really well. Well, that, right? that's what they did well. But then the fans, did, yeah. who are all the time like, oh, Shayna Baszler should be on the main roster, should be on the main roster. Now they're like, no, she shouldn't be wrestling Becky. It should be Ray Ripley. Yeah. 
No, that's silly. I think that the rosters are interchangeable now at this point. You know what I mean? Especially now where Paul Heyman's gone. I think you should be a vampire. Is that actually going to do that? Are they going to go down that route? I really hope they don't. I doubt it. I, mean, I really doubt they will. Ruin her fucking hardcore MMA sort of gimmick, you know? But it works. Her gimmick really works, the modern product. Do you think, therefore, they're going to go for that for Mania? Baszler and Lynch? Uh, it feels like it. It feels like they're doing... Um, they'll do Baszler and they'll do Flair, Ripley, Belair for a triple threat. Oh, adding Belair is a problem. Oh, I don't think so at all. I, I like Bianca Belair, don't get me wrong, but one-on-ones for WrestleMania, please. Oh, it should, yeah, I hate it triple threats. It should always be. Yeah. But yeah, the, the triple threat women's match at WrestleMania 32 was really good. Yeah, it went brilliantly, didn't it? That finish just was perfect. Oh, no, 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 so. not the main event. <laughs> 32 when it was Banks, oh. Flair and um, Lynch. Oh, yeah, but that, that, was, that felt special. That felt really special, you know? New belt. Have they? Well, that's that's when they dropped the Divas belt and had the women's belt. Oh, right, yeah, cool. That was a good moment. That was a bloody brilliant decision. And they got Lita out to do a promo. <laughs> so, our next match. The first eight games foreigner tag ability number one strife tag team. What the fuck? Oh, let me read that again. It's literally written as the first eight games foreigner tag ability number one strife dash tag match crusher comma Bam Bam Bigelow <laughs> and Big Van Vader versus Doom. Doom. Did you know Ron Simmons and Butch Reed? This was also a dark match. What a travesty. This is maybe my favorite match on the show. They showed Gigante. But they didn't show this. <laughs> this, again, was one of those matches I saw, and I'm like, wait, Bam Bam and Vader tagging against who? Oh, Doom. The biggest, toughest, Butch Reed, brutal Ron bastards. Simmons beating the daylights out of Bam Bam, who couldn't obviously afford a full flame bodysuit at this stage. Yeah. And Vader looking like Evil Uno. Yeah, sure. Very much so. So Vader is masked as the shoulder ring thing with the air cannons, but we don't get to see it because we don't get to see yeah. the entrance. I'm like, no, terrible. Uh, again, top top of the list. Strong hard boys. <laughs> this was basically what I would like to call a meat feast. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, Vader is a face. And I'm like, what? In Japan? Bam <laughs> Bam is a face? <laughs> makes no sense. Evil racist Japanese promoters putting Doom over as a baddies. <laughs> does feel like it a bit. So Simmons seems to be getting annoyed at Vader's stiffness early. As Simmons just picks him up and sends him to Hades with a spine buster. And you're like, holy shit, you're a strong lad. It looked like it was nothing to lift Vader up, wasn't, didn't he? It was it's Vader like cruising. It's just like, hey, you punched me a bit hard there. He's not going to argue or give him a chance. He's going to pick him up, punch him a few times and give him a stiff as fuck spine buster. Oh, jeez. I mean, you say don't work stiff with Vader, but then... Conversely, uh, on the uh, yeah, on the other side, of things don't work stiff with Ron Simmons. Well, I've put it here that all four lads are stiff as fuck, but Vader is the worst by miles. Yeah, he's literally just punching people in the face at times. Big Van Vader. Yeah, like but bad stiff. Too yeah, much here. way too much. Evidently not happy with place on card. You think? But when you're in the international eighth game, first ever <laughs> brutal conga line. <laughs> Strife of international talent or whatever. Yeah, yeah. The visa match. So Doom start to play up being the heels more and more as the match goes on. Uh, Butch Reed low blows, uh, sorry, low bridges bam bang when he gets the tag. Uh, when he's starting to heat up, choking out their opponents. Bam, bam, big like Heating up. Nice. <laughs> Oh, terrible joke. Yes. You know about the house fire incident? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. God damn, that man. What a loss. Bam, bam. Yeah. 
I, I will get onto it in a second, but he's talented as fuck. Let's get through the match. So Bam Bam gets beaten down by Doom as the match goes on because like they're not he's not gonna let Vader take this because it's gonna get yeah real very quickly <laughs> he doesn't like it i don't think he likes vader and it shows in this match no definitely. there's definitely a uh, professional disagreements yeah vader does not seem to be a popular boy especially when he came to the fed later on and they he was really unpopular in like, the fed sean shouting at him backstage you an idiot in the middle of the ring and stuff you know sean changing all the mania plans that were supposed to be him and vader and it was like yeah. i'm not working with him i work with sid again and this all seems to start around this time period yeah you know it's, it's a long way off that stuff but it's, it's people are not fond of vader no i think he was popular in japan because he was hard hitting yeah but i think he took liberties yeah i think the boys backstage really don't yeah like, i've watched a lot of shoot interviews people talking about him some people talk nicely about him like Foley talked quite nicely about him but it was just like when he'd get in the ring he'd be like oh yeah make sure you're stiff and vader be like okay and just literally kill him <laughs> you know but there's no denying how athletic vader is for a big lad sure him and bam bam together it's what a tag team vader even does quite a good job of playing the cheerleader in yeah. this match too like he's really shouting at the crowd like trying to get them pumped up behind them he does quite a good job of it join the cult of <laughs> vader <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a bit of miscommunication mis- mis- miscommunication by farouk and bam bam as the match goes on leading to bam bam giving farouk a headbutt and suplexing ron across the room like it's monstrous uh making the hot tag to big stiff bastard vader uh, it's a bit of a mess, but Doom give Vader a double suplex because they're like, we're not taking any more of your shit. Yeah. <laughs> suplex the fuck out of him. Bam Bam and Farouk end up on the floor, leaving Butch Reed and so Vader. So glad in you the called ring. him Farouk. Yeah, of course, man. That's how I knew him. That's how I always knew him. Uh, Linda Butch Reed and Vader left in the ring. Uh, Reed dives off the top rope, crashing and burning onto like his arms and his shoulder. Yeah. It looks pretty brutal. It was nice that Vader didn't bother to sidestep, so Butch Reed had to jump away from Vader because <laughs> Vader wouldn't move. <laughs> Vader in inverted commas ducks out the way to avoid this <laughs> he doesn't really he just stands there uh, big splash by Vader for the one two Butch blatantly kicks out three <laughs> <laughs> winners of Vader and Big Bam Bam Bigelow uh, sorry Big Van Vader and Bam Bam Bigelow Big uh, Van Bigelow <laughs> sorry that's a good tag name actually um, I hate it when people do the little kick out like even after the three it's the worst thing ever yeah, you're but out to do it before the three oh. come on dude well i wonder again if it's a case of oh it's vader yeah oh it's a proper carny move though yeah you know? it really is so post-match reed jumps ron simmons yeah boo doom implode is this the end of doom i think it was i think it was as yeah. well i don't remember like i haven't seen much around this time period i think i've ever seen a doom match to be totally honest that the whole backstory would have been ron you weren't really stiff of him then he landed on me and then the ref counted a three who was refing this at the moment was this nick patrick uh, i think so yeah yeah not fonzie then no nah, dubious decision no. <laughs> probably a good idea at this point <laughs> uh what do you think of the match very fighty yeah there was not much technical stuff in here it was very much like i'd imagine a rumble but in the center of the ring lots of kick punch struggle yeah uh the beginning of the match is scary stiff until bam bam's like that's enough yeah (laughs) and takes over and sells brilliantly for doom like doom are strong and they're stiff with bam bam too seeing bam bam face though is odd yeah but he did a great job as you said the selling seeing this guy, this big big dude bump around the ring for these guys i think bam bam is one of the most underrated wrestlers of all time we've said this on previous pods and any man who can pull out a cartwheel of that size top draw sure man his spots 
safe as fuck, but look lethal. Cool gimmick, cool look, can talk, can work, is safe, can read the match and the atmosphere of the ring and throw the atmosphere of the crowd. Yeah. And, you know? Very memorable moments in his career as well, because if you don't think his partnership with Luna. Absolutely. And obviously go through the ring with Taz. Yeah. And like the triple threat stuff being the replacement. Even the WCW bits. I've got yeah. vivid memories of Bam Bam coming out and doing fucking terrible shit on WCW, but making it look great. Yeah. You know, the Jersey connection thing. Yep. With DDP and Candido and him and stuff. Stuff when he was in Uncensored as well with the sure. hardcore stuff. Yeah, yeah. Very like, nice. I've never been like aware of Bam Bam so much. But you're saying when you look back and you realize how much you know and yeah. absolutely adore. And like rushing into a house fire to save people and stuff and getting his body all completely burnt up. Yeah. Jeez, the amount of respect I have from Bam Bam Bigelow is massive. Also, Hasbro wrestling action figures. First wrestling figure of the Hasbro type you can move the legs wow yeah for Bam Bam Bigelow (laughs) so our ninth game a special dream match of Great Muta versus as the uh, announcer puts it here Stingle as in Sting on the live well on the on the actual event this was actually match 10 not 9 so it's been reordered on the New Japan on the New Japan On Demand. Interesting. Per the three bits of info that I've seen. Okay. Should we do the whole get through it and then oh, yeah, talk let's do about this. the changes? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. So, Great Muta versus Sting. I'm like, holy shit, this is a genuine special dream match. This, this is this, amazing. This should have been brilliant. Yeah. Well, well, well. So, uh, red trousers, red and black face paint for Muta. Looks proper heel Muta at yep. this point. Blonde crew cut stinger. Uh, he's come a long way since he was last on the podcast a few weeks ago. Yeah, beautiful blue trousers. He's yeah. waiting to work. Two years. He's gone from opening match, yeah. you know, to essentially main event in the Tokyo Dome. Yeah, co-main event with this with Muta. And looks confident, big, strong, brave. Did like, his little wolf howl thing. Yeah, like we were saying in 89, he looked like he was primed to be a superstar. Yeah. We obviously weren't the only people to realise that. No, not at all. <laughs> They're going, this is the guy. Because he would have had his run with Flair by this time, because that was 89-90, wasn't it? It's not a time period I know much about, to be honest. This is all kind of new to me. It's why I wanted to see it, you know? If you say so. I'm going to say yes. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) So, Muta immediately on the attack, as you might expect. Muta joined his entrance, though. We forgot to mention the green mist. Oh, he did, yeah. Well, the bit of the entrance we saw, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Standing in the ring during the introduction. Stingoo! And there was great Muta, spit out the green mist. Absolutely. Lovely job. So there are four WCW lads standing at ringside, kind of cornering their guy. Because the monitor died out backstage. It feels like. But this is a New Japan thing, you know. But the thing that kind of threw me a little bit was Pillman and Rick Steiner are standing right in the middle of the ring, like on the side of the the hard cap. cap. So you're just staring at the back of Brian Pillman. Like, this reaches the top row, basically. At least they wore their gimmick t-shirts, though. (laughs) True. But, like, he's in the way of the match. Yeah, uh, if you're in that front row, yeah. you're livid. I'm, I'm, even from the hard cam watching this, I'm like, I just couldn't stop staring at massive Brian Pillman going, that's a big dude. I just said, even next to um, Rick Steiner. Yeah, he was yeah. Like, He's sure. a tall lad. Absolutely. So uh, back and forth, Muta starts to play more of the heel by raking the eyes of Sting as the match goes on. Muta's selling is at times comedic, is the way I've put it. Like he does a lot of like yeah. shaking and stuff, but Th- it's kind of brilliant. Think back to HBK selling for Hogan at SummerSlam. I got but a, that's, that's I got, I got really little, silly. Yeah, I got a little sense though that Muta wasn't overly keen 
or work instinct. Think. Okay, interesting. That's my. That's how I viewed it. Okay. Some of the things, and some of the, like when Sting kept trying to put the Deathlock on. Yeah. And Muta just wouldn't move, and okay. Sting would only be able to get it on as soon as Muta had had his hand on the rope. Ah. So, like the comedy setting, yeah, I think it's part of Muta's character, but there was also part of me who was like, "Oh, this is Sting, is he? He's great, is he?" Right. That's okay. how I viewed it a little bit. Interesting. Interesting. I'm not sure. I felt the same. I definitely felt like. Muta seems like the more experienced guy at this point. Oh, yeah. It's definitely got his character down more, like Muta's character, even from this point, like 91. Holy crap, it's cool. Yeah. Uh, Sting is very much the red, white, and blue, young, baby-faced, blue-eyed character. Yeah. And I think he's been told many, many times, don't you dare sell for anyone. Yeah. <laughs> Especially someone from another company that's smaller than you. Yeah. You know? And that was the right, and in fairness, that's the right thing to do for, for the protection of their brand. Imagine if this was like Sting versus Akira we saw earlier. Yeah, and he's Sting selling for Akira. Would have be done like, nothing. Rrr. Yeah. To Sting at this time, I think they're almost two in the same. Yeah. You know, I think he sees Muta at the same point as people like Akira, but when you see them in action, you're like, Muta's much, much better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, it feels much more like a NWA WCW Sting main event match than a Muta slow build for me. Yeah, this was this was American wrestling. This wasn't anything to do with strong style or Japanese or New Japan style. It was moose and moose ache almost a yeah. lot of the time, which kind of sucks to be honest. Not 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 the best. No, two superstars, two superstars giving their all. You know what I mean? Rather than two wrestlers wrestling, two styles that I didn't think merged or blended well together in sure. this match. So Stinger goes for the Scorpion Death lock, but um, Scorpion Death lock. Why did I add a pause there? Uh, but Muta, drama. <laughs> but Muta gets to the ropes immediately in that really awkward spot you were talking about yeah. earlier, where Sting won't sit down into it until Muta's like at the ropes. I don't know yeah. whose fault that was, but you seem to think it was Muta being an awkward more than anything. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I'm not a wrestler, so I can't really say. Okay, so uh, <laughs> they go to the outside for a moment. I wonder why, Tax. Mm. Back in the ring, Sting goes for a Stinger splash in the corner. Green mist! Oh no! <laughs> Who saw that, that coming? Uh, to the chest, kind of the face yeah. of Sting. Uh, Muta hops up, top rope, body press, just like Pillman did earlier. For the one, two, three, and our winner, pretty clean, considering. Outside of the green mist. Great Muta. Uh, but that's part of his moveset, really. Yeah. <laughs> I was amazing how he kept it in his mouth the whole match. Yeah, sure. No, it's in, it's in the um, the glands. Oh, in the of back course, of silly throat. me, silly me. Of course, <laughs> careless. He's got face paint on. He's not human. Oh, of course. <laughs> this is very much face paint Muta, by the way, not mask yeah. Muta. Which his mask later in life. Oh, they're super cool. Yeah, this but, was very. This isn't the Muta that I was introduced to later on. It's like mid-90s. Yeah, absolutely. So again, as you said, I would be expecting Mask. I thought originally when he was going to do the Green Mist on his entrance, there was going to be something to take off. Oh, okay. But there was not. No, it's just literally red red face paint with kind of black detail and stuff. Which rubbed off on Sting, as you said earlier. It did. He didn't look happy about it either. Yeah. So post-match, Sting gives Muta the splash and the Scorpion Deathlock. Oh, yeah. With the commentary cutting out before it came back on for the beats down. Yeah, because obviously the audio and everything, they can't have the music, so they've just cut the audio completely. Again, we haven't focused on it too much, but... Every time uh, the entrances are cut, because we can't have the music, it seems like, so we go straight into introductions, ring bell. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the match, the second the pinfall happens, the audio cuts, and we yeah. get some video footage sometimes. Sometimes it just fades to black immediately. Yeah. And I think it's uh, because of audio problems yeah. again. So here, you don't get any audio. It's just yeah. like it cuts, and it's kind of a bit weird. And then we kind of come back, I'm assuming, post-audio. Yeah. 
post music, I should say, to Sting beating up Moose. Yeah, because the, the beatdown, they would have stopped Moose's music during the yeah. beatdown. This, this breaking up kind of ruins it. Nabby Pamby. Yeah, it's not great. Is this it? is trying to save face. Yeah. So they, they yeah. break up. Uh, the New Japan and WCW guys try to break it all up. And it becomes like a big mess of people, like at the end of a boxing event. Yeah. You know, when all, everyone's everyone in the ring. gets in the ring and no, no one's really doing anything, but they're just keeping them apart. Yeah. And uh, For me, I put good, not great, but good. I, yeah. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I think that sums up quite well. Yeah. So our 10th match, the Grey Test 18 Club designated match. <laughs> what the hell does that mean? Well, it's the designated 18 Club match. <laughs> I don't see what the problem here is. Of Rick, Ricky, sorry, Ricky Choshu, absolute legend Ricky Choshu, versus Tiger Jeet Singh, who I've only ever seen do, do, do deathmatch stuff with like... Uh, Cactus Jack and Terry Funk and stuff before. If you've never seen Tiger Jeet Singh, he comes out with a cutlass. He's got a fucking sword. <laughs> I found that another description of this match was the no disqualification, no referee, no ca- count out, greatest 18 club title. Yeah, yeah. Which I assume is the inaugural title match to crown someone. I have no idea. Did you know that uh, this title was later won by Muta, who retired it the next day because he wanted to focus on being the IWGP champion? Good stuff. Who would have thought it? <laughs> So, um, immediately, just what the fuck is going on? Tiger comes out with his cutlass. So it's like, it look, looks like a fencing sword, pretty much. Yeah. You know? And wrestles with Wrestling. it. Wrestling. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, he starts to threaten the crowd with his giant fucking sword. Uh, there seems to be a beheading of a commentator or something <laughs> at ringside. And rightly so. Do you want to describe this? Right. So, Tiger Jeet Singh basically goes over the rail... And beats the shit out of a commentator in white with his sword. Yeah, a Japanese commentator just yeah. sitting at ringside, just literally whacking it over his head as hard as he can. Yeah. It was what chaos. Absolute chaos. The guy is on the floor in what looks like quite severe yeah. pain, bleeding out of his face. I'm like, um He beat the shit out of him. Did that meant was that meant to happen? And then he removed his mask and it was Vader. <laughs> he would have got away with it, had it been for those pesky kids. <laughs> So the commentator looks genuinely shook on the floor. Yeah, it like, really hurt. Really awkward start to this match. Like, I, I didn't like this at all. This is horrible. This was this was not what I expected to see at this event. <laughs> Imagine your kids watching this. Yeah, this, 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 oh, it's terrible. This man with a sword. They finally get into the ring, and Tiger is wrestling while having the sword in his possession the whole way through. He's got it in his hand, and he's throwing punches with the sword. Ridiculous. It's fucking mad. <laughs> So Tiger proceeds to fuck up Choshu <laughs> and does some sexy dancing halfway through the match until Choshu is finished doing his blade job because Choshu shouts, you motherfucker! <laughs> starts throwing Tiger about the ring. He's obviously had enough at this point. Yeah. Like, there's been incidents where Ricky Choshu has got into fist fights with wrestlers in the ring before. Like, just look him up on YouTube. There's a whole bunch of him just stiffing I mean, people. I suppose there's only so much you can have someone hit you in the face of a sword. Absolutely, man. I'd be fucking fuming. The amount of times <laughs> you hit him with the base of like, the, what's it called? The bit that goes around your hand, the handle and... Yeah, I, I'm going to call I, it the protector. I should know that. I'm a bit of a medieval nerd. But anyway, anyway so that stuff... Cutlass? No, that's the name of the sword. Uh, it's just beating the fuck out of Choshu with it, like brutally. It's kind of horrible at times. Really violent. Yeah, this is really, death ma- really violent. It's deathmatch levels. Yeah, but they don't have the glass and the barbed wire and all that sort of shit. Deathmatch light. Yeah, I'm sure. So there's a bit where Tiger's taking all the turnbuckles off. Yeah. <laughs> so he doesn't take them off. All foreshadowing. 
He cut. pulls them down to reveal the, the slight metal turnbuckle to join in the ropes. Yeah, there you go. It's a nice way of putting it. So Choshu bends the sword in half because he's fucking fuming <laughs> at this point. Choshu gets back in the ring and just goes, I kill this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Tiger whips out a shiv and starts <laughs> to stab Choshu with it. Obviously, they're working here. but Wow. Oh, yeah. It's, it's it's not New Jack levels of I'm going to stab this motherfucker to death in the middle of the ring. Oh, John Cena. But uh, what, what? Oh, this is the whole thing where the club, where John Cena got stabbed to go and be off on a, on a movie, and it was Jesus who stabbed him. Oh, yeah. That was the time when I was like, oh, New Jack's You reference this all the time, and I always forget. I'm sorry, man. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's, it's so important to me. My favorite wrestler, John Cena. <laughs> Chosu eventually takes the shiv away from Tiger. Thank God proceeds to stab Tiger in the fucking neck with it. Fatality! Alternatively, friendship. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> At least Ricky takes the time to hide the shiv like in the deeper in his palm. So when he does it, he's not literally just stabbing a dude in the face. Exactly, he's not versed in deathmatch. <laughs> fucking hell, man. This is weird. So Ricky proceeds to stomp the fuck out of Tiger's manhood over <laughs> and over and over again. He's got his legs apart and he's just like conk, conk, conk. Oh, horrible stuff. Uh, Tiger returns the favour. This is what you call psychology tax. Oh, of course. <laughs> a cock for a cock. Exactly. Uh, Choshu larries the hell out of Tiger in the corner from behind. Tiger falls down. The ref counts to ten. <laughs> the winner is Ricky Choshu. Everyone knew, everyone knew it was like a last man standing match. There's not. There's no build. He never counts ten at any other point in the match. Just one larry in the corner after a bit of stabbing. It is amazing. Winner of the match, Ricky Choshu. In the world of pro wrestling, how you could be stabbed (laughs) multiple times, be it a lariat. Yep, absolutely. Or lariato. Yep, they work a few few moves in between the two as well. They're working after being stabbed. Yes, what professionals? Yep, absolutely. (laughs) So Ricky Choshu, I imagine, becomes the first, whatever it's called. 18 uh, club champion. The Grey Test 18 club designated match. (laughs) champion choshu becomes the 1830s rep champion <laughs> where did this match come from um i'm gonna say because isn't this something to do with the anniversary of um Inoki? i have no idea absolutely no idea hang on hold that thought okay whilst well, we feel while you do that i'm gonna read off my little bits here so ricky choshu goes after tiger's arm after the match the young lions jump in to break it up uh there's all sorts of madness going on choshu seems to have won this belt as we're going to talk about but then uh, Tiger is mad, selling his arm. The young boys and heels kind of break it up. Tiger leaves through the crowd. There's a sea of fans dissipate away from him because they're terrified of this mad cunt. Right. So this greatest 18 club yeah. trophy uh, title was established in September of 1990 during um, Inoki's career 30th anniversary. Um, and it, the tournament consists of Luthez, Carl Gotch, Nick Bockwinkle, Johnny Powers, Johnny Valentine, Andre the Giant, Stan Hansen, um, Rim Ruska, Billy Robinson, um, Hiro Matsuda, Bob Backland, Vern Gagne, Strong, Jeez. Strong Kabashi, Hulk Hogan. I say this is a lineup. Muhammad Ali. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, uh, Seiji um, Sakaguchi, yeah. Antonio Inoki, and initially Tiger Jeet Singh, who was later replaced by the American Dream. Dusty Rhodes. And then um, after all of that, um, Ricky Choshi was crowned the first champion. He successfully... um, Wow. uh, And uh, and then 
Muta won the belt and retired it the day later to focus on the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. So the belt had been around for a while. This isn't the debut match of this belt. Um, is this the final? No, this this was the, the final. So Ray... Oh, wow. So Tiger came back to be in the final. Yeah, so basically, Roshu was... Um, he had three title defense of this. He was awarded the title, so this was the win of it. Yeah. And then he held the title for 538 days with wow, okay. three title defenses in that time. Sounds about right for so, New Japan, yeah. It's like he's the IC champion. <laughs> <laughs> and then Muta won it in August 1992, where he held it for less than a day when he gave it and put it in the bin. Let's get rid of this shit. Yeah, sure. It's, it's a it's a typical New Japan looking belt. It's the half moon yeah. sort of thing. Uh, the match is dog shit. It was awful. Terrible. Well, again, it's just not our style. It's not Joey Janela's spring break style of deathmatch, <laughs> but it still didn't sit well with me. It's the beginnings of. Oh, yeah. Without You don't get to that without this, you know? Yeah. It feels like. Oh, whatever. It was great. So, uh, is this the main event? It is our main event. So your main event of the evening, the first 11 games NWA World and IWGP, both heavyweight championship bouts. <laughs> Brilliant. Of Tatsumi Fujinami against the Nature Boy Ric Flair. Fujinami is over. And the big gold belt looked beautiful. Isn't it just the best? The WCW slash NWA Heavyweight Championship. Oh, yeah. This is where this caused some confusion. Okay. In the build up to this match. Go ahead. So, leading up to this match. It was announced in Japanese television yeah. that the NWA title was on the line. NWA? Ah, okay. On the American broadcast, it was the NWA championship versus the IWGP heavyweight championship. So winner take all match. Ah. Because WCW spawned from the NWA. Correct. 91, it's only been around a couple of years. NWA is over in Japan. So you've got the NWA commitment, yeah, sure. not the WCW commitment. Wow. And then? Well, we'll get to, we'll get to it at the finish. <laughs> okay. We'll get to the, the different, how it was portrayed on Japanese pay-per-view and how it was portrayed in WCW pay-per-view. Because Flair very much... Oh, yeah. I didn't even read what... I like, realised what I was saying. It says NWA World and IWGP Heavyweight Championship, not WCW. Correct. Interesting. But in Japan, it wasn't even an IWGP Heavyweight Championship match. It wasn't built as that. It was purely built as an NWA title match. Oh... But Flair turns up with the WCW belt. Which was the NWA belt at the time. Because they were using that instead of the NWA belt. Right. I knew that happened. And then yeah. WCW became its own thing. And the NWA strap kind of flooded back into the old NWA system. Sort of following on from this. <laughs> okay, we'll get there. So there was an absolutely beautiful little thing here. That I don't know if you picked up on. But there's two referees. There's New Japan referee and Fonzie WCW referee. The New Japan ref is listening the, li- lifting up the WCW strap. While Fonzie, the WCW guy, is lifting the IWGP oh, I heavyweight. Nice touch. I was like, that is a lovely thing to do yeah just adds a whole level of respect to the whole thing you know yeah. it's a really nice touch so <laughs> some beautiful in this mayhem <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whatever so fonzi lays down the law as flair and fujinami face off i must say fonzi is a very physical referee for someone so little yeah he was definitely involved he's constantly touching them and getting in between them and all sorts like too much sometimes a good I'd referee say. is a referee you don't see and yeah. <laughs> Fonzie's not there. (laughs) So Flair woos, they lock up and off we go. Fujinami woos. (laughs) I don't ever remember seeing Flair wearing black tights, trunks here. I wore it sometimes in WWE. It's kind of a shame because so is Fujinami. So they're both wearing black. Well, they're the top 
top champion Goldberg Austin Black. I wonder whether it was a, a level of respect from Flair to throw on the black trunks for a New Japan show. Possibly. Yeah. I feel like it might have been. He should be wearing red. He should be wearing red. <laughs> That's not really quick. Even the Ric Flair stuff where he had RF on his boots, the classic like old school. Because a lot of wrestlers at the time didn't have the personalised boots, sure. whereas Flair had the whole gear with the robe, yeah. RF in the beautiful signatories of um, um, la, 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 font. Yeah, the scripty sort yeah. of font. Even says Flair on the back of his trunks off to the side, on the white on the black. Yeah, He's a classy motherfucker is Ric Flair. <laughs> Uh, as always described <laughs> we didn't get to see his introduction no i'd love to have seen the ropes of this, the robe at this time and yeah. stuff you know but um flair was slightly shorter more out there hair it's it's all over the place for this match well we'll see why it was out there later because obviously it's a rick flair match so what's gonna happen oh, let's find out <laughs> <laughs> so uh again seven minutes in i start to realize this is not a fujinami match this is a flair match. Another WCW main event. But but Flair. Yeah. Flair's been criticized as only having one match, and that's not true. He does does variations. Yeah, but every time he does a match, it's crisp, it's good, yeah. it tells a story through the match. He knows his bits that work. Yeah, exactly. He knows what the fans want to see and what they expect to see from Ric Flair. Just something I noticed about Ric Flair in this match that I've never really realized before. Six pack? Uh, well, yeah, that <laughs> he does that later in life. So, um, when Flair is in a headlock, he's constantly making noises. Yeah, like he's slapping the opponent. Oh yeah, slapping his chest, going raw, like really to get other people to start making noise as well. Yeah, they get involved. It's astonishing how good Flair is at this. It's the simplest shit. He'll do nothing. For 10 minutes. He's slow. And his pacing is incredibly precise. And that slow narrative. Build and build and build. He's the best at it. Can you imagine having a Ric Flair coming through now? He wouldn't get the time of day. Never. You're way too slow. You're not doing your high spots. You know, you're not getting the crowd interested. But like, we need... People need to watch these fucking matches. These early Flair ones. With this slow, slow build. He is barely moving at times this style of wrestling really does have its place in modern wrestling like when we said when we saw um willpower versus mr wicked when they did their world of sports style match absolutely anything of say, this uh, level cody and dustin cody and dustin was the the best version of this style of wrestling in really, the last 10 years really recent example yeah. of it as well you know that was effective and yeah. worked you know great narrative great in ring and as you said the thing is, a lot of the stuff is rushed. If you have wrestlers who want to wrestle this style, it's hold, transition, transition, transition. Whereas well, you said, flair, hold, involve the audience, draw them in, build them in. And that's why flair got so popular. And that's why Dusty could also get draws because sure. he did nothing but just the little things. Flair does the spot in the corner where he throws the chop yeah. and then leans back and throws the punch and leans back and throws the chop. Without exaggerating, I'm, I'm genuinely saying this, it's 30 seconds between each chop and punch. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking brilliant. I don't know how he does it. You know what I mean? It's just the body language, the setup. Why am I not bored watching this match? I was totally into it, and the match is shit, to be fair. <laughs> it's 26 minutes of not much, and again, as you said, it's... Certainly not Ric Flair's best match. Absolutely not. But there's definitely communication problems here. That's the thing I was going to say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, had this been Ric Flair versus Sting in their main event, it would have been yeah. like a completely different, different ball game. Because Flair would have done. This is how we're doing it. Yeah. Step by step. Like, listen to me, boy. You know. Whereas you said, with respect for for Fujinami, 
And again, if that's another sign of the black trunks, he's not yeah. going to be like, here's how we're going to do it. I think Fujinami said, let us work an American-style match so he can test himself. And Flair maybe tried to dumb it down a bit to make it easier for the universal yeah, terms 100%. to make things easier. Because while we always say that Ric Flair only has two or three matches, there was a lot of elements missing from a, a traditional Ric Flair match because I think the communication... Kind of. Let's run through it a little bit. So, Fondi lays down the law, blah, 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 we go off. Um, it's almost like Fujinami is... I've literally put this note, considering what you've just said. Uh, it's almost like Fujinami is requested to wrestle the Flair match. Because yeah. it really is that. There's moments when Fujinami gets his shit in, but it, it's it's a minute. And then yeah. Flair's straight back to doing what Flair does, you know? Get the heat on Fujinami. Absolutely. So, Flair's main event pacing is just perfection. Uh, Fujinami takes over with a selection of submission holds here and there, but we slip straight back into the Flair match. Where Flair goes up top, and you expect something to happen, but he manages to slip down to the apron. You're like, ooh, ooh. a change, Ric Flair. You didn't take that bump off the top <laughs> yet. <laughs> Realised how stiff the ring was. <laughs> sure. So at this point, they walk and brawl for a bit. Obviously, something easy you can do with someone you really can't communicate with. Uh, it, it has its place. Uh, they seem to stall for what feels like forever in the middle of the match, and Flair and Fondi are literally just chatting away to each other yeah. in the ring because there seems to be a problem. You know, I think they've lost their place in the match almost. They've lost their place because this is a time where Flair's sort of shouting at the crowd and shouting at Fonzie, being the heel while things recover and we can get back to our place in the ju- in the story. And Fujinami seems to kind of hype himself up and get back in to start throwing punches and Flair's like, oh no, 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 no. no. <laughs> you want to wrestle the Ric to- Flair match? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Takes him straight back to where yeah. he wants him. No know? comeback here, Fujinami. It's really, really clever. So, uh, Fujinami slams Flair's head into the guardrail, then argues with Fonzie for some reason. I'm like, why is he arguing with Fonzie? You're like, Flair is busted open! (laughs) (laughs) Just took him to the outside just to do that spot so Flair could blade, you know? The beautiful vision again, and it's not right to blade, and we know obviously it's not the right thing, but just seeing that image again of into Flair's white blonde hair never ceases to like be a selling point of, oh my God, Ric Flair. Sure. You can't have the Ric Flair match without this moment. Yeah. Feels like so. Uh, cue the bit where Flair does the uh, their mid mid match comeback, and then Flair does the flop while bleeding. Yeah, because <laughs> it's got to happen at some point. <laughs> Flair does his whole begging off on his knees, like no. I love the way Flair does this. Uh, Flair slow chops and punches, like I was talking about earlier. But Fujinami finds the fighting spirit to get back into it. The crowd go absolutely mild. <laughs> they just don't give a shit at this point. Well, this is the the eleventh match of the card. This is yeah. mania length now. I think if this is Muta or Chono or someone, maybe they'd care a bit more. Yeah. Uh, this doesn't seem like. I know he's AWGP Heavyweight Champion, and you have to have him at the top of the card. He's not their chosen one, is he? There's reasons people remember Kabashi Misawa more than people like Fujinami. Yeah. You know? They did a lot more. Better booked, better storytelling. As a side note, matches. on the sort of who would be Maybe that's brutal, of but, yeah. New Japan's top guy yes. to wrestle Flair. Do you recall ever seeing anything of Flair and Liger? Do you think they ever wrestled? Wow. Uh, it wouldn't work. Yeah. I've never. <laughs> a completely I, different match style. It was like, only during this podcast. Don't watch this for the pod. That I thought, I wonder if Flair and Liger have ever locked up. How would you do it? Because basically, Liger would have to work Flair's match. Wait, what? What are you trying to say? You saying Flair can't work a Liger match? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Flair has the ability, but Flair's not taking a Liger bomb. Flair, yeah, maybe not. He took a Batista bomb, did he? Yeah, uh, maybe. Probably. Let's assume he did. <laughs> <laughs> 
So Fonzie take, takes a bump from a charging Ric Flair. Fujinami has it won a bunch of times, but there's no referee in the ring. I mean, who would have thought that with Fonzie being around, bumping away? Because <laughs> we have to have some dusty element here, you know. Uh, Fujinami rolls Flair into a pinhole, like a split leg, kind of like weird pinhole thing. Tiger Hattori with hair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Grew it himself. The, the classic New Japan ref. He's going to be retiring this month. Uh, jumps into the ring. Counts the one, two, three. And a new champion nwa <laughs> champion <laughs> is it okay in so Japan. and iwgp heavyweight champion tatsumi fujinami and then obviously we get to see the lovely celebrations of the new japan crowd as uh fujinami is now the nwa heavyweight champion yeah however strapping on the big gold belt it's a quite a moment yeah and i'm surprised by the relatively clean finish you know what i mean um uh, that is it, by the way. That's the end of the show. So, in Japan, gone. That's the end of the show. Yeah. However, however, across the ocean, in a different continent, right? This was perceived that Flair, Jim Crockett is screaming. Where's my belt? <laughs> Flair did not lose. Okay. It was later found out the match was thrown out because Fujinami threw Ric Flair over the top rope. Fuck off! So no. they didn't acknowledge that Flair had lost the belt. Bill Watts isn't even technically in charge yet, and still. That is what happened. God, I wonder whether Bill Watts is taken over by this point, because if that rule's come in, it must be. Yep. So, Flair was... Fujinami was disqualified. Flair is still the champion of both. Saving face for both companies, keeping the NWA. And that's where I assume the NWA strap came back, because Fujinami was still the NWA champion. But Flair had not lost the WCW title, which was being used as the NWA title. NWA? WCW. It's typical of the time period, and you can understand without. Like American fans don't understand what's happening in Japan. Japan fans don't. Japanese fans don't understand what's happening in America. So you can pull this bullshit at this time, I guess. Yeah, it's like the great Kali winning every single match in India, and it's like North Korea winning the World Cup. I'm just going to agree. We're going to move on. <laughs> so there we go. So uh, the match itself is is a bit of a, it's a bit of a waste of space, really, isn't it? Like it's fun seeing Flair doing what he can do with anyone. You know, and like... Uh, it's the marquee names of both companies in the main event, as it should be for the first ever cross-promotion show. There we go. It should have been Anoki, really, I feel like. Flair and Oki, they did that in Korea. Yeah, but again, both both title holders. Yeah. Got to be title versus title. Yeah, true. What year was the explosion in Korea thing? Do you know off the top of your head? Not sure. North Korea, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah the whole WCW, New Japan things. Anyway, um, so I thought the show was good for 1991 standards. Yeah. I think we have to put it in the context of the time period. Um, I did expect a bit more of I, the fun, silly stuff. I expected yeah. a higher caliber of in-ring action. I think because of so many communication issues, um, the quality of in-ring action definitely was hurt by that. Yeah. But at the same time, getting to see Liger work brilliantly with Akira and just the whole purpose of doing this trilogy, Brian Pillman was the best wrestler on this card. With Ooh, with with his few. with his performance to show, his crispness, how he worked through things. Yes, Ric Flair had took everyone through the Ric Flair match, yeah. but Brian Pillman being in a new arena, sixty four and a half thousand people, flying all over the shop, doing things that in nineteen ninety one people would not expect to see. Yeah, absolutely. That's outstanding. I searched high and low for a Brian Pillman singles match in New Japan. 
Uh, I think they exist, but the cards that came along with it were nowhere near as interesting as this one. Yeah. Hence why I just thought this one would be the one to go for. We kind of agree on it eventually. Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, I appreciate the host factor of this show. Yeah. Cheers, Scotty Norton. There was a lot of big, big boys being the shit out of each other, which was like, sometimes too much. That's you know? why in modern wrestling you still need some of the big boys in place to have that match. Fucking That's amazing. why every UK card needs a Rampage Brown Absolutely. on their card. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Legend. Should be booked more. Absolutely yeah. should be booked more. Seems to be book- being booked more at the moment as well. Yeah. Which I'm very happy about. Because um, as I saw Adler's uh, give out on his Twitter thing where he's got like the WWE ripoff of Pokemon all right. with all the indies got to catch them all. Because <laughs> now Timmy Thatcher's this. gone as well. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, sure. But I watched a match with Volta when he was 19 Jesus. this week. I bet Volta hasn't aged. He looks like a baby. <laughs> Seriously, he looks so different, man. Like, he looks like a chubby baby. Now he looks like a defined, angry old man. Like He's changed a lot. <laughs> His style is a lot stiffer, a lot stronger, a lot more Japanese-influenced yeah. as well. Like, back then he was wrestling moves and stuff. I like, mean, what we, are you doing? We said... Walter to New Japan would have been amazing for yeah. his career. I think... Um, but being able to stay in Germany, WXW, NXT UK, I think yeah. it works perfectly for what he needs for his lifestyle. Recently married, seems yeah. to like it. Got his <laughs> faction, you know what I mean? Oh, I thought you meant marriage. No, no. recently <laughs> seems to like it. <laughs> A rarity. <laughs> so, uh, in my opinion, the best match was probably Bam Bam Vader versus Doom for my personal taste just because I enjoyed the mayhem of it. Uh, Muta Sting and Akira Liger have to be up there too. Uh, much more Akira Liger. Yeah, Akira Liger was my favourite purely for the pageantry. Yeah. Um, Brian Pillman performance of the night. Yeah. Because again, yeah, as you said, it's it just um, disappointment of the night, the rest of the card. I mean, yeah. in fact, seeing the Steiners beat the shit out of people is always good fun. Yeah, sure. But then you also now think of the Steiners beating the shit out of people and how those poor Japanese lads would be like, oh. Yeah. And Saito who going like, Matt, <laughs> he's getting beat up. Um, so my, my biggest feeling coming out of this was we did the NWA, Star, was it Starcade? Yeah. 89. We've just done a WCW New Japan show from 91. So 89 and 91. Um, people go on about this time period people like Jim Cornette yeah like it's the be all end all of wrestling there's not been much good stuff on any of these shows we watched from this time period other than the gates okay because if you but, th- but just in purely entertainment terms uh, yeah like, but the know. fact is the fans there are having a great time that's the thing if you think of the crowd and yeah. how they popped because that's especially for New Japan they while they worked some WCW matches they worked for the Japanese crowd and when we looked at NWA Starcade the fans were into it and again nowhere near the number on the scale that we're talking about the Tokyo Dome Yeah, but they play to the paying audience they don't play to the pay-per-view audience as such Um, so I think Cornette's nostalgia of this period of time was the fans liking wrestling the baddies are the bad guys the good guys are the good guys and kayfabe was alive Yeah, I think that's part of the draw of why it's the glory time in wrestling because that's when wrestling was real it was most real back in the 90s. Yeah. Did you come away from this show feeling like that? No, I came away thinking, bloody hell, was that 26 minutes for Flair yeah. and uh, Fujinami? None of the matches felt long to me. No, especially not El Gigante. <laughs> yeah, sure. Those Longest match minutes. of his career. But there are 20, 25 minute matches on this. Yeah. And it, it felt not like a, a real drag to get through. Like, there was definitely an element of, oh, okay, right, we have to watch the next match uh, towards the end. Yeah. 
because I kind of knew it was coming and I've seen Flair matches before. I had an idea what Sting Muta was going to be like. You know what I mean? It's Muta, wasn't it? Yeah, of course. Yeah. It was. I think it was interesting watching it as well on a match by match side thing on New Japan World yeah. rather than having it as a full thing. I think because of that, it kept my attention more. Yeah, maybe that's I think the thing. because I could watch it in bite sized chunks. It's like I watched half the card last night and I watched the other half this morning. Yeah. Um, we probably cut out an hour just from entrances and stuff as well. Yeah, can you imagine how long that show would have been with entrances and exits if we were watched it as a full show? It's New Japan, it's five hours, 12, 12, 12 days. What, you know? <laughs> it does feel like it. Yeah. Their, their big show is two days of like eight hour streams, you know? Like, Do you reckon Hollywood in Mania, Mania Hollywood next year will be two days? Do you reckon? I don't think so. I think they're going to start to do it eventually. Mania 40 will be the two day one. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It does, especially with all the fan convention and everything else around it, you know? Evolve will have a big setup. NXT will have a big setup as well. Yeah, if they haven't been sold or gone bust. There we go. So um, I have one very, very minor note to add to this. Uh, something I noticed as the show was going on. Someone did a DDT in almost every match. Yeah, good point. In 1991, Jake Roberts. <laughs> it's, it's like it's his finish. Imagine he's watching this. People are just doing DDTs halfway through the match. Like, oh, fuck. Sake. <laughs> what a great tribute to Jake Roberts to make his finisher. <laughs> I mean, even look at Liger. I see what you do here, Jake Roberts, yeah. and I will make this better. Off the top rope. I'll make this so much more dangerous and scary. That's the thing. Imagine like everyone's doing Liger's finish, but just halfway through the matches. You know what I mean? I mean, it's not the same doing it off the top, but... Well, in modern time, let's replace that with Canadian Destroyer. <laughs> there we go. Well, one man Spanish flies, you know? Oh, fucking Spanish fly. Fair, Rick, fair play to Ricky Shane Page. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> just being like, stop doing them. Absolutely yeah. stopped doing them completely. Spanish flies, you know. Uh, sidebar on that. Fair play to RJ Singh for doing the Can Indian Destroyer <laughs> the other day. Banter. Well played. Banter. Well played, RJ. So what are you rating this show? Two uh, cornflakes for me. Two cornflakes. Yeah, it's a solid two, isn't it? Yeah. It's not a three. I think so. Three implies that it has more high caliber matches. Honestly, it's struggling for two for me. Yeah, this isn't... I know sometimes on cards where... It, a bit harsh and some cards we view we say you must go and watch this match if you don't go and watch this card you have not missed out other than Akira's entrance yeah and I say his entrance his in-ring introduction the little bit we got to see with (laughs) Spider-Man streamers streamers, but that's about it Brian Pillman was excellent to watch his involvement at a young stage cool watching anything like is always a good learning experience but Pillman's three plus here yeah three-ish but I would also say that Pillman wrestled Liger on an episode of Liger of Nitro. He did. So go and watch that instead. The first episode, yeah, it's yeah. the opening match. Yeah. The very first Nitro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So go and watch that. Don't watch this. Sure. I think they uh, wrestled at a um, uh, WCW Starcade as well at some point soon. Okay. Uh, don't hold me to that, but there is a New Japan versus WCW Starcade in America show. It could have been this year for all I know. I didn't actually check. Anyway, so um, yeah, I think uh, fair enough. Um, not the greatest introduction to Pillman because obviously he's in the six man, but he shone like an absolute demon in this match. Yeah. I mean, Zed Man. Yeah, he, exactly. he was there. <laughs> Z-Man. <laughs> so, our next part of this trilogy, episode number two, should be an absolute banter fest, I don't know, of WCW's Halloween Havoc 1995. Where has our hero got to now? Just tune in next week for episode two of this Brian Pillman trilogy to find out.
Where can people find you on the social medias? I am Fanboy Rich on Instagram and Twitter. I am at the Tex Williams on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But more importantly, interact with us on the World of Wrestling Podcast Twitter at World of Rest Pod. That's the one. Uh, everything will... you need links and all that sort of stuff, just go to worldofwrestlingpodcast.com. It's the best place to find it. And if you like what you heard, recommend us to a friend, leave us a five star review on your podcast app of choice. It would really help us out. Before I forget, uh, thank you to our boy Conan for the 5150 for tweeting us out the other day. Hell yeah. Love that man. Uh, yeah, so people were saying um, online how much they love talking along with the int- introduction. And he just put a post with just like a question mark, like, what? <laughs> yeah. To explain. And he gave us the, the, the prayer signs and just like, yeah, respect. Yeah, because so, Conan definitely didn't forget doing this lovely intro for us. Of course. <laughs> Why would he remember? <laughs> He's got stuff to do. But yeah, absolutely respect that. That's awesome, man. So yeah, uh, I guess that's it. Thanks very much for listening. Apologies if my voice, everything started to falter during this. I have a feeling I'm getting the sniffles. Props for getting through it, man. Corona! (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye Bye-bye.